On this episode, Kirk ruins a wedding. Spock's dad disappoints him. Everyone learns what the Romulans look like. And it turns out war isn't really that big a deal for the Federation. I'm Captain Awesome. And I'm the Triple Hippie. Welcome aboard, take a station, and find something to hold on to. There are no seatbelts on the bridge. Hey everybody, welcome to No Seatbelts. This week we're going to be discussing the season one, episode number 14, Balance of Terror, also known as the first really good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this episode was written, uh, written by Paul Schneider. Um, he was a writer who was born in Jersey in 23. He worked as a TV writer throughout the 50s and the 60s, um, actually all the way through the 80s. Um, in the early fifties, he wrote for Mr. Magoo, which was the one credit that really uh, stood out to me, man. What a sought after credit that one is. Huh? <laughs> Woo. Uh, he's going to go on to, uh, write two of the, well, this one, and also another one of the most popular treks, uh, Squire Gothos. Um, he also did an episode mm. of the anima- animated series called star lost, which I have not seen yet, but it's in my list. Um, he was like a lot of Star Trek writers. Roddenberry knew of him. He had worked on the Lieutenant. He had written for the Lieutenant. So mm. Roddenberry kind of knew who he was. Um, he That'll was married you. to Margaret Schreider. Schneider. Oh boy. I am so sorry. Uh, married to Mar- Margaret Schneider, who also wrote for TV. Um, both wrote episodes for Six Million Dollar Man and Buck Rogers, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, he wrote 169 episodes of a serial called Love of Life in 1976. And I looked oh, through yeah. the... Uh, I totally remember that one. I looked through the cast. There was no, I was trying to find something to kind of like, oh, and nothing nothing really popped out on that. <laughs> so that's one of those summer shows where we might pick it up. <laughs> he unfortunately passed away in 2008, but I was wondering, did he get any sort of credit for strange new world's quality of mercy because they lift a lot of dialogue from this episode directly into that episode. Oh, that's an interesting point. I don't know. So I'll look look at that. And of course it's directed by Vincent McKevity who we've talked about before. He did a bunch of Disney movies in the seventies. He directed both Mary and dagger of the mind before this one. Um, and oh yeah, I did not realize he directed the first Wonder Woman TV movie, the one with Kathy Lee Crosby, not the one with uh, Carter. The Kathy Crosby, she yeah, she ran around in a sweatsuit, and it was it wasn't Wonder Woman at all. But uh, and of course, he did forty episodes of Simon and Simon, which is I mean, let's be honest, that's what we're really here for, right? <laughs> and uh, sadly, he passed away in twenty eighteen. So this episode is uh, an interesting one. Um, the, the synopsis that's online is following an unprovoked attack upon Federation outposts. Kirk engages in a game of cat and mouse with an enemy ship with the ability to cloak itself from the enterprise sensors, which turns out it's a submarine drama. Um, this is, a, I mean, this is basically run silent, run deep a hundred percent. Um, but it's done really, really well. <laughs> um, I thought it was funny that I found one uh, particular account that said uh, by Harlan Ellison, the science fiction writer who said that Paul Schneider came to him and told him, hey, I just did this TV adaptation, a science fiction adaptation for the enemy below. And Ellison said, 
I never spoke to him after that because science fiction should always be original. Right. Because if there's me. one thing we never get out of science fiction, it's, you know, reusing material. <laughs> what happens um, when you cross Westerns with samurai movies? Right. <laughs> you get the most successful science fiction franchise ever. Well, I mean, this was what, 20 years before Star Wars. So, True. you know, they, they didn't really know that that was a good combo yet. <laughs> but I mean, Star Trek's already been making a pretty good name for itself for being a Western that was lifted and put into space. So <laughs> very good point. I don't know. I did um, go ahead and watch the enemy below. Oh, and yeah? I will say the first half hour of that movie is this episode. Oh, nice. It, it, uh, there's a few minor things, but I was, I was laughing at just how much it, it really just tracked the, the first half hour. Well, you know, at the end of the day, if they use that kind of stuff correctly, I mean, it, it's still dialogue, right? Oh, like yeah. Dialogue's not going to change that much. Tactics aren't going to change all that much. There's there's a whole lot of of how do I really fool the other guy? And it's not really a whole lot of like you know relying on the technology. Don't get me wrong. When we talk about cloaking and stuff, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting side story and and all that. But it still is. We're not talking loud. We're going to turn off the lights. <laughs> <laughs> try to try to see if we can find each other. <laughs> so uh, this story opens up in a really weird place for um, for for those of you watching it online. Uh, if you uh, go to Paramount Plus and you pull up this episode, they give you a shot of the Romulan bridge, and the Romulan commander is front and center, and you're like okay, I'm getting right into this. And you push play and you're in a wedding chapel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love, I love that the wedding chapel on the enterprise also has a big red tree painted on the wall behind it, behind the yeah, altar. Super weird. So, um, it does very much look like your average, you know, one room church, uh, in the country <laughs> with the, the crappy, uh, the crappy pews that everybody saw in the sixties oh, and seventies. Yes. It's like, Hey, it's a chapel. So just put some padded benches in there. We don't want right? people being comfortable. That that's, that's the last thing that we want here. Well, you know, 400 years and it's still all about the suffering. <laughs> and I do uh, like that. Scotty is hooking up onto the wall and to one of the uh, communicator things on the wall and putting a camera lens on it. Oh yeah. Which basically, Honestly, I kind of like that scene. So he's putting up the camera lens and I'm thinking, okay, so Scotty's playing the it guy this episode. Cool. And <laughs> like the lens was just so jarringly real, <laughs> right? Cause like everything else that you're looking at is painted wood or plastic. And he's got this perfect lens that he clearly borrowed from one of the cinematographers <laughs> and is sticking it to the wall. And you're like, that looks so out of place in this moment, but it's also like the best part about it. Like it's, of course he's going to do stuff like that. We're not going to just rely on internal sensors to always have a recording of everything. I don't know. I, I liked it. I, I just, it gave me some of the security is like, even in the future, people will have the ability to do zoom meetings and still don't want to. Fair, fair. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's be honest. Sometimes you just don't want to put on pants. That's just how it goes. So, Bones comes in to deliver bad news. And of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, um, happy wedding day. Somebody wants you on the bridge. Right? 
Um, and you know, as you noted here, standing behind Kirk for some reason is once again, Rand at this point, I think she's just doing it to make me look bad. I seriously, seriously, because <laughs> we keep saying this is the last episode Rand's going to be in. And then she pops up again. <laughs> now I will tell you, according to her IMDB profile, this is officially the last episode she's listed in. <laughs> Which, well, we could be wrong. Who knows? Which makes me so sad that I did the profile on her like four episodes ago. <laughs> right? Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, so they, they're playing the music and Kirk's uh, talking about how he, he gets the privilege, as captains have for all time, to, uh, to perform weddings. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> um, I did do some looking up on this. There, there are places that that it is recognized as kind of a, he's the captain is the official on a ship and kind of can kick proceedings off, but you still have to go through a licensing uh, body and all this <laughs> stuff. And like, it's, it's a real thing to get married. It's not just, Oh, there's, there's this guy who's in charge of the boat. Hey, Jim and Pam did it on the, on the office. So it's gotta be true. Even on the office, they said it wasn't legal. <laughs> <laughs> And so I, when I was looking this up, uh, it's kind of funny in uh, UK and US uh, naval uh, naval manuals. It specifically states captains cannot perform weddings. <laughs> um, and uh, apparently, in a lot of uh, a lot of countries, uh, naval code for even private vessels, you are not allowed to do this. So I, I think it's kind of funny that it is definitely one of those TV and movie tropes that continues to live on. And everybody in the real world is like, no, that's absolutely not okay. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of makes me wonder, like, you know, if it was okay at one point and just a couple of people screwed it up for everybody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tom, we told you, you cannot keep marrying everyone on the ship. It's just not okay. (laughs) That's it. Nobody gets to do it anymore. Tom, I think they love all the rules. So nobody gets to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Told you, Tom, you cannot mix and match on your own. That's not okay. (laughs) So the bride's, uh, outfit is great too. Um, she is wearing full uniform with feathers on her head. That is her entire wedding attire, which I get they were going for the, the whole, she has to be in uniform thing, but also on the same token, like you kind of messed up her wedding day, not letting her wear it. Come on. What's up with that? I, I do like too the feathers in her hair, the way they were, it kind of looks like somebody just hit her with a ball of flour, like right in the head. Right. It was real weird. It was, <laughs> it was a strange choice, but you know, I'm the, the worst part is, is that something like that, that doesn't play well on camera. You know, somebody spent hours trying to put that hair piece together. Oh, heck yeah. Right. And I, I feel bad for the fact that it didn't play well, but it didn't. I mean, it just, what are you going to do? But still so, just a white thing or a hair pretty much. Oh, she's the bride. Exactly. <laughs> so the other a- thing that makes it pretty obvious is that they all make her kneel. Only her. She's the only person who has to kneel in this entire religious ceremony. (laughs) Well, she's Catholic. Right? Her husband Uh, isn't. So, you know, not trying to be judgy here, but. Yeah, it was kind of weird. But I am. Now, now the the bride and groom are Angela Martin and Robert Tomlinson. Oh, yes. Um, I'll I'll cover Angela Martin. Uh, She's played by Barbara Baldavin. She was born October 18th, 1938. Same day as Don Wells, who you may know as. Um, uh, Marianne on the, on Gilligan's Island. Um, so apparently after that point, after they both achieved somewhat, uh, amount of fame, uh, Don Wells actually started an actor's boot camp, And when she did, uh, 
Barbara Baldavin actually ended up teaching there. And that's where they found out that they were both born on the same day. (laughs) Weird little side thing. Um, Now, Barbara acted for several years in a whole bunch of guest spots uh, until she ended up with a a long running show. She had a long stint as Nurse Holmby on a show called Medical Center. Uh, She, I think she had 104 episodes or something like that. Good gravy. Um, Then in the 80s, she decided to change things up and became a casting associate. Uh, in some places I saw it listed as a, as a, uh, casting supervisor, some places a casting associate. So I'm guessing she just kind of went up and down the ranks a little bit. Um, but she did casting for, uh, dynasty trapper, John MD, uh, Matt Houston. I don't know what that one is. Um, oh, uh, uh, Matt Houston. Oh, wow. We'll discuss yeah. it later. <laughs> um, she ended up marrying, uh, John, Dago- da- John D'Agosta. D'Agosta. Um, they're still married today. Uh, he was also a casting director. Yay for them. Uh, right. And then she played a nurse a lot. I mean, obviously nurse Holmby was a big hit, but <laughs> wasn't really outside the, uh, the wheelhouse that much. Yeah. I did see that pop up in her IMD of a, IMDB a lot. Yeah. Um, and then she's got one more Trek appearance where she's going to be in, uh, uh, blah, 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 short leave. <laughs> I'm going to learn to speak today. I swear. <laughs> So she's going to be in shore leave and then we won't see her again until the very last Star Trek episode. Turnabout intruder. (laughs) Uh, So then we have Robert Tomlinson, who is played by Stephen Mines. Pardon me. He was born February 3rd of 1959. So when he was 20 years old, that's when the music died. Got you. <laughs> ah, there you go. Now you're hearing it. <laughs> he only uh, acted then he passed away in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> he only acted for about nine years. Um, he retired in 1970. Um, after Star Trek, he probably only had two more acting roles on his IMDb. And then uh, spent the rest of his uh, life as a woodworker in both Los Angeles and in Michigan. Yeah, that was kind of cool, actually. It turns out that when he retired, he was like, you know what? I really enjoy woodworking. So he started up his own shop in LA and then uh, he moved to Michigan and started up another shop there and did that till he, till he uh, retired. Oh, that's very uh, cool. Actually, no, until he died, not until he retired. Um, but yeah, and that was his true passion. He just didn't really dig the acting, apparently. Can't blame him. Yeah, right. Woodworking's pretty fun. So our good buddy Sulu is going to go ahead and call a red alert. Right in the middle uh, of the wedding. Is- Right. It's, it's really bad form in the middle of a wedding, but whatever. Sometimes you just need people on the bridge. And suddenly, okay. So suddenly we're learning that outpost four is under attack. We know that we lost contact with outpost two and three before this, but now we actually, we know their outpost four is actually getting hammered by somebody. Now um, I do have a question about this though. Outpost four, are we supposed to just know what this is at this point? Or cause like, I, I felt like the, the whole description was really just, Oh, outpost four is under attack and two and three have been hit. Like, okay. And what are those? Like, what do I care? <laughs> yeah. And they, uh, until we do the big exposition dump when, uh, uh, Kirk and Spock pretty much tell everybody what's going on. They're being very cryptic with exactly what the hell is going on. Maybe everybody who was invited to the wedding wasn't cleared to have the information. So they're <laughs> like, uh, Hey Kirk, you know that thing we talked about? Yeah. That's going to be real bad. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I did like that. Uh, so Kurt goes to the panel to start, you know, getting an update of what's going on. And while he's at the panel, Scotty's like, Hey, what are you doing? And like looking over his shoulder and like <laughs> holding onto his shoulder. Like what are you doing, Scotty? Just back off. And, uh, 
<laughs> but as, I don't know. as soon as Kirk turns around, Scotty is out of there, which again, the theory that you brought up still is playing out in my mind. Scotty's drunk pretty much all the time. Oh, Scotty is always drunk. So that's, he's trying to the hide only way I can fact. see this. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's leaning over his shoulder and he's like, Hey, Kirk uh, is going to smell my breath pretty soon. I better get out of here. <laughs> he's going to ask me a question. Uh, I have to do something <laughs> over there. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, he, he, he's just, he wants to be part of the scene. He, he wants to feel included. <laughs> He's just feeling left out. That's all it is. I don't know. Um, so then we see shots of everybody in the hallways as they're getting ready to, to report for red alert. <laughs> and it is just pandemonium. It's like they went into a costume shed and we're like, all right, everybody put something on and run down this hall. Because man, it's crazy. <laughs> we've got, we've got red shirts. We've got blue shirts. We have people and technicians. And then there's a dude who just looks like a beekeeper. He's in a white thing and is holding <laughs> like a big, it's like, who is that dude? It's like, and right. Is like beekeeper an actual thing on enterprise or is this one of his hobbies or, you know, it was just, it was one of those is things of, a, are we ever going to see that dude again? Cause that's just weird. What's a, what's a beekeeper again? Is it an apiest, apiarist, apiarist? Oh, I can't remember now. I should, I, I should just, know this. I have a friend who does it. See, I was trying to figure out where on the enterprise they were going to actually have all these beehives. <laughs> Cause I mean, I, I want to see the, the episode about that. Where, like, hey, how's it going? Uh, do we have any of that fresh honey? <laughs> no, none of the honey's ready yet. Oh, well, you figure end if you, scene. <laughs> you figure if you if you have whales on your ship, you got bees, right? Why not? Oh, uh, maybe that's the problem. The Klingon ship could hold whales. The Enterprise can't hold whales. <laughs> Every Klingon ship has honey honey bees on it. That must be that's why, why they're anyway. shaped like that. <laughs> i don't know um it, it did feel very much like a benny hill movie uh, <laughs> just you changed the music up a little bit man every, the way everybody was running around was awesome i'm gonna have to go back and watch that with yakety sax going over it <laughs> <laughs> running fast backwards and forwards a couple of times in fast motion right <laughs> <laughs> so they finally give us a star date uh, 1709.2, <laughs> which, okay. At this point, I would really hate to be in charge of filing at Starfleet because somebody's back there. It's like, no, no, no. Stardate 2325.2 comes before 1709.2, but after 1356.7, because none of these numbers make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> Listen, Jenkins, I have told you once, I've told you a thousand times alphabetically, don't <laughs> worry about stardates. <laughs> <laughs> so the enterprise is apparently at this point they fess up they're like oh well we've actually been patrolling through the neutral zone hence the whole outpost thing <laughs> see it all comes back around oh i that's one thing i never liked about the the original series um exposition dumps is they have so many of them that are like you find yourself sitting there going oh that's what you meant <laughs> right i want my exposition to be like Oh, that helps to flesh this out a little more. I get, I, I understand the the nuances more. Now with, with the original series, it was always like, oh, oh, because that made no sense without that. <laughs> well, at some point you figure somebody's watching the edit and go, you know what? That makes no sense. We're going to have to put an exposition, a little more exposition right. in here. <laughs> yeah, they got to the first commercial and they're like, oh, guys, the, the test audience has no idea what's going on. <laughs> hey, um, here's the thing. I just have a question. Does anyone really know what a neutral zone is? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, crap. Now, 
at, at least at this point, they did take a moment to explain what the neutral zone is. Um, they, they were like, all right, so let's put something, uh, let's talk a little bit about what the neutral zone is. It's the area between the Romulan star empire and the Federation. The Romulan star um, empire, of course, named after star Jones, the former view. Uh, boo. <laughs> <laughs> what? You didn't um, see that? You didn't pick up on uh, that? Gross. <laughs> so Uhura is like, Hey, uh, outpost four is, uh, under attack. And then the message, you know, it terminates, which, I mean, they just told us that, right? I don't know. I'm sure it's fine. They stop asking for help. Now, it turns out that uh, Outpost 4 lies between Romulus and Remus. You know, because the Romans. <laughs> yeah. So Spock is like, oh, Uhura said something. I should go double check her because she has no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> and so he runs over and he's like, um, He's like, so you heard this and you heard this and you heard this. And she's like, yeah, I, I just told you that. And then he starts pushing her buttons. It's <laughs> like, dude, leave her alone. She's a professional. I don't know. And then we've got Mr. Sulu at helm. And, and uh, navigator of the week is Mr. Styles. Mr. Styles. You know why? Because check out those threads, man. He's got style. <laughs> no, that's just his name. I don't know. So... Kirk's like, uh, yeah. So how far out are we? And they're like, oh, it's about eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to, he goes to Scotty me and he's like, Hey, can I, and Scotty just cuts him off. It's like, yeah, we'll get more power out. When he walks away really, really right. fast. <laughs> Listen, I know what you're going to ask and I know it. I'll do it. Fine. Just leave me alone. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go. Do you want me to dark. go faster? Cause you never ask that ever. <laughs> It's like, listen, you keep the Romulan ale coming. I'll make sure we go faster. I, I have something to do in the Jeffrey's tube. I'll be right back. <laughs> I also really like that sometimes during red alert, Scott, uh, Scotty's in engineering and sometimes he's all posted up on the bridge and he's like, I'll do everything from here. <laughs> I just don't understand why that it is. I, the only thing I can figure is every once in a while, James Doohan was like, uh, no, I'm going to get on screen this time. Uh, it's not just my voice. <laughs> Cause they really did kind of screw him over and only paying him for his voice yes. many, many times. Yeah. So whenever he's on the bridge, I figure that's his agent going, no, he's either <laughs> he's on screen or he's there. not there. <laughs> I don't know. And also his, his whole attitude is definitely like, you know, just shut up. I got my job. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Me, Uhura, Spock, for the three people on the ship who know how to do our jobs. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to really worry about us. You remember the naked time? Uhura and Scotty, they still were doing their jobs. Everybody else going nuts. Oh, they were still professionals. Right. But why would we give them any respect? <laughs> <laughs> so Styles is also kind of a jerk. Uh, <laughs> he's just kind of sarcastic. <laughs> well, we obviously know who's causing this problem. Which right. And Kirk's like, hey, don't talk about the wrong ones <laughs> like that. That's not okay. You buck up, mister. And um, then and it, we get the PowerPoint. Oh, it's so good too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I actually need to go back and find some original copies of these episodes because with all of the remastering, I honestly don't know what's, what's from the old show and what's been computer added. Cause this PowerPoint's fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty close to the original. The thing that really strikes me that I never noticed before is okay. 
They've spliced up the slide and it shows all the outposts and it shows the neutral zone. It shows the position of the Enterprise, who's just eight minutes away from outpost four. Mm-hmm. And it shows the position of Romulus and Remus. Romulus and Remus are as far away from the neutral zone as the Enterprise is, which the Enterprise is only eight minutes away, which tells me Romulus and Remus are only eight minutes away from the neutral zone, which right. causes me to have a lot of questions about why in Star Trek Nemesis did it take them so long to get there when it was only a few minutes away? Why well, in reunification? There's a lot of problems there. Because if you think about it, that also means that Romulus and Remus are like four minutes apart from each other, <laughs> which I, I, I'm pretty sure that's not okay. Um, but it also begs the question that maybe the reason for the whole Roman thing is that Romulus and Remus aren't actually the center of the Star Empire. They're just the ones that the Earthlings have had contact with because it's next to the neutral zone. That's nice. Nice. Right? It turns out there's actually a, a much more well-stocked planet that the, the seat of the Empire is in that's light years away from here. And Romulus and Remus, they're like, that's what you're going to call them? Yeah, fine. All right. If that's what the Earthlings called it, then that's... Well, you know what? Let's play up the whole Roman thing with all of our patrols. That's fine. We'll, we'll do that. Oh, yeah. Let's we do some research here. on their history. And we'll just do that. And then they still won't know anything about us. It's perfect. It, it's, right. it's the, it's the um, space. It's this space politics version of giving somebody a wrong number at a bar. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like it's... that. <laughs> I don't know. Oh yeah. So they pull the slide up and the slide is your, your, your average like fifties uh, army presentation of here's a line, there's a dotted line, there's arrows on either side pointing towards the line, letting you know (laughs) each side is trying to go there. And there's a a little space in between that is the neutral zone. And then it's got all the little outposts listed and everything's in very, very blocky font. It (laughs) it totally looks like, you know, if you called it the Battle of the Bulge, it would look exactly the same way. Yeah. The outposts all Um, look like little tents. Right. (laughs) And I also really liked that the uh, the Enterprise was a flashing bulb behind the screen. <laughs> that you know there was some poor schmuck back there who had to like, all right, and move it a little to the right and a little more to the right. <laughs> flash it, Bob. Bob, you're supposed to be flashing the light. Bob, flash the light, Bob. <laughs> uh, so Uhura puts uh, Kirk on the intercom for some reason. <laughs> So he tells everybody, listen, we're about to go into the neutral zone. Um, so we need to make sure that there is like no mistakes in what we're about to do, but I don't really know the details. So, Hey Spock, you want to come up here and take over for me? And Spock's like, ah, I didn't, uh, Oh, I didn't have my cards ready. Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel like talking anymore. So I'm going to throw it to Spock. Thanks boss. <laughs> Nothing worse than being on a conference call. Your boss is like, all right. Uh, yeah, I've got totally got this. Uh, Hey, you want to go ahead and take that for me? (laughs) Great. You never asked me when you made this PowerPoint, but now I've got to present it. Great. I don't want any mistakes. I have no idea what's going on. He's going to tell you what's going on. Exactly. Anyway. So they're like, Hey, listen, these outposts, they're all installed on asteroids. Um, which to me made it sound like they like landed on asteroids and built stuff there. But apparently it means they actually drilled inside the asteroids and built inside them. Yeah, because he's, yeah. Kind of cool, I guess. Um, but I also, that that means that they've got all these asteroids that they're not orbiting anything. So 
they somehow made them all sit static in space hmm. along a path. That's that's kind of weird. I mean, very futuristic. We can't do that today. Yeah, so I guess they would have to have some sort of. I didn't think about that. They have to have some sort of uh, attitude uh, thrusters, right, to keep it in place. Either that or a big long string that connects them all. That <laughs> makes total kinda, sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> If you bump one of them, they go in a big wave all down the whole line. <laughs> so while he's talking, they start showing all the different departments and everybody's like huddled around little, little TVs watching something. Cause Kirk's not on video, but they're still watching stuff. <laughs> and and I, then there's people, people huddled around radios. And, <laughs> and I really like this because I'd asked this question a couple of episodes back. We see, we've seen technicians, engineering technicians and specialists and in, in red jumpsuits. And we've seen the science guys in the blue jumpsuits. We finally see the guys in the gold jumpsuits, which are command NCOs, which I'm a little confused as to what that is. Cause it's like, well, I'm not an officer, so I can't give orders, but my specialty is telling people what to do. I would say that um, I think lower decks is giving us that. Because you've got your lieutenant junior grades, you've got your ensigns, right? You've got all your your lower grade officers who still have to go clean things out, but they also, you know, command their buddies to go clean things out with them. And at the end of the day, if I'm cleaning stuff out, I'm going to wear a jumpsuit because <laughs> I don't want to get my uniform dirty. So I think it kind of works. Also, I'm, I'm not entirely sure we haven't seen gold jumpsuits before. I think we've actually seen them, but the colorization was so bad that they looked beige. That's my thinking. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, because later they're kind of well, they're gonna look kind of green also when they, when they, uh, yeah, they're going to, yeah, because the lighting in the later thing is just like, are those the, those are the same guys. They got to be the same jumpsuits, but they, they look a far darker color at that point. I do like the the way that they kind of approach this whole idea that everybody's kind of waiting on bated breath for something's coming up with the captain. We really got to get into this and find out what's going on. And the captain's giving him important information, which he didn't because he made Spock do it. But, you know, everybody's waiting. And being, co- didn't and seem being to be- color television, they coordinate it because the first shot is like everybody in blue uniforms listening with a blue background. And then everybody in gold uniforms listening at another, st- at another station. So. Right. Brought to you by the good people at RCA. <laughs> that joke just doesn't get old to me. <laughs> so they, they start uh, telling about the reminding about the Romulan earth war, which unfortunately, if there had been an enterprise season five, we would have seen. Um, but we are told that this was a time where we had primitive spaceships and primitive nuclear weapons. And we didn't like, mm have uh, ship to ship communication, which because of this, they did a good job of explaining that, you know, with a, a war like that where nobody actually sees each other. And the only thing we've got is audio and these agreements on, on how things are going to be handled. Um, it, it was a great way to instill that Soviet style fear, right? The, yes. the, we've got to be worried about the communists because, you know, they're, they might be kind of like us, but who knows what they have and we've only talked to them in certain small ways. So it really instilled this earth people thinking Romulans were big jerks. Yeah. And yeah, very much playing into the cold war trope because along with the, uh, the neutral zone sort of a demilitarized zone and, uh, and just the general idea of, we know they're out there. 
Yeah, they're right. just waiting. I don't know. I, I do think that the idea of having to do everything audio only is super cool, though. I, I loved it. I, I I love that idea. And like the complexity of trying to set up a DMZ that way. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Very good point. Can't even imagine. So Kirk is like, well, you know, now that we've talked about the neutral zone, we all understand who the Romulans are. Hey, just a heads up. Don't go there. You cannot go in the neutral zone. That's not the neutral zone. We can't go past the neutral zone. Uh, Cause if we do, uh, they're going to be real mad and we're going to start a war. So that's not okay. We're not supposed to start a war. I've written it down on a card. It's in right. my pocket. Don't it says, start a war. It's on my left hand right here. It says no war. <laughs> on my right hand, it says get milk, but you know, um, the exposition dump is great. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I like that. We don't know what the Romulans look like. Um, because it, it sets up a whole lot of fun later on. <laughs> <laughs> Great reveal. Right. And then, of course, the biggest reveal of all is Styles sitting there and he's like a chained dog. He's just like, ah, we're going to, we, we got to shit. Because, man, my grandpa fought these guys. And, man, back then they were the worst. So we got to kill them all. Kill, them. <laughs> kill every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really like that Kirk is like, oh yeah, what do they look like? <laughs> like uh, oh, I can tell you, I can tell you, they're painted just like a '78 Trans Am. <laughs> That's how you'll know. Which cracked me up because it's like, okay, dude, that was a hundred years ago, just forty mm-hmm. years ago on this planet. Guys were painting wizards and Valkyries on the sides of their vans, right? Guys don't do that anymore. Well, 40 years ago, they were <laughs> painting birds on the hoods of their Trans Ams. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that anymore either. Actually, there, there's somebody out there doing that on some car. <laughs> Man, you know what this Chevy Malibu needs? <laughs> My Tesla looks so good with a, <laughs> with an eagle on the front of it. Oh, that's, yeah. what, that's what they're missing. That is exactly right. what they're missing. Tesla with big firebird on the front. Oh, man. I, I want to start a Twitter thing. Get everybody going. To, <laughs> oh, can you imagine how good your Tesla would look if you put a, a bird of prey on it? We just need to convince Elon it's cool. <laughs> so he starts talking about how they painted these and he says they painted it with a bird of prey, which is an important point because he just invented a ship's class. <laughs> Yay! Um, I So it is, let's take a moment here. There is a bird of prey, both in Klingon and Romulan world. Yes. Um, and it has a lot more to do with budget. <laughs> so when we start looking at the actual ship itself, we'll talk a little more about that. But basically, um, they, they weren't entirely sure they were going to be able to afford all of these models. <laughs> they were making all the shows. So bird of prey kind of, it lasts. Uh, the other one that I thought was really funny is that they both have warbirds as well. Okay, cool. <laughs> Much for the same reasons. <laughs> they go to the same anyway. dealership. Yeah, right. <laughs> Honest so, bombs, use spaceships. <laughs> what do you need? This one was just driven by a little old Romulan woman on weekends. <laughs> Maybe Kirk's responsible for it because he keeps stealing everybody's ships. <laughs> so Styles is like, ah, yeah, my grandpa. He was, uh, he was a captain. Uh, it was his grandpa, wasn't it? Or it was his dad. I Basically, who it was. he says there was a Captain Styles back then, a commander and two junior officers. Two commanders oh. and several junior officers. I'm sorry. Yeah, all of them <laughs> killed in action. 
which this was, and I think I've talked about this before, but um, Runberry a couple of times talked about the fact that he kind of wanted to establish Starfleet families, families that generation after generation would be represented in Starfleet. And I kind of wonder if this was like an early attempt of that, because the Styles name will come up again in Star Trek three. Um, captain Styles mm-hmm. is the captain of the Excelsior. Um, and then he, he, even though it wasn't Runberry, they kind of nod into it with uh, Janeway later when Janeway's father is a is an admiral. Paris's father is an admiral, and they mm-hmm. speak about their their family tradition. So this might have been an early attempt by Gene to do that, but it never really hit anything big. Um, Styles, well, now. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Gene really wanted to slap people in the face with it. Um, he, cause I mean, it's, Gene's not exactly known for subtlety. Um, and so realistically, I think that's what it was, what it was about is that the writers were like, you know, I don't think that really works. And writers later on in the years have done a really great job of, of like you said, with, with, uh, stuff like Tom Paris, they, they've done a really good job of being like, well, there is a legacy here but we're not necessarily going to have every position filled with those legacies. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like when discovery went to the far distant future, they could have had everybody that they met in Starfleet be named after them. Right? And <laughs> like, oh yeah. And Gene would have been like, this is amazing. <laughs> but I don't think that it really would have served the series very well. I think the, the subtlety that, that is played throughout that is really good. And maybe if Star Trek legacy gets made, Paramount Plus, I hope you're listening. <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, you know, we, we uh, get a little bit of that going on in there. Because, I mean, we've already got uh, a descendant of uh, Picard. Yeah, yeah. be good. Just saying. Okay. I do think it's kind of funny, though, but it's another example of Gene. I don't want Starfleet to become the military. I don't want them to become the Navy. And then yeah. falling back on, you know what's cool with the Navy that we ought to add? <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, it would drive me nuts with the number of times that he goes back and forth on that. Cause no, 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 oh. they're not a military organization, but you know, it'd be cool. Right. There, there is a whole lot of that. And honestly, I, I kind of wonder how much of that was pressure, right? Like the studio going, this is a spaceship. They're in the military. Yeah. Make this happen. This is the easiest way for us to organize this. People will recognize yeah. these, these relationships and these words. And Yeah. Well, like he didn't really want to do the ranks the, the way that they ended up being done. He didn't want to do rank insignia. And I'm sure the studio was like, this makes no sense. You have to do stuff. <laughs> if you uh, just have a guy, a bunch of guys running around doing stuff and nobody knows who's in charge. Yeah. Right. That could be a problem. So, uh, styles is played by Paul Comey. Paul Comey. Um, I don't know anything about this guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Paul Comey had a guest shot on, probably almost every cop and detective show you could think of in the seventies. Um, he oh, started- that's definitely that dude. <laughs> you look at him and you're like, hey, he I should be like, dude, right. He should be smacking around a perp for sure. <laughs> he started acting in 1957 at the La Jolla playhouse. And within a year he had made his way to television. He ended up with 125 acting credits at the end of his career. Um, wow. And his last guest spot was, on a Baywatch in 1995. Um, he was in the Towering Inferno. He was in Conquest of Planet of the Apes. But Ooh. unfortunately, IMDb decided to put his best known for as Howard the Duck, which that has to sting. Hey, now, you don't you be knocking on Howard the Duck. <laughs> Some of us are, are uh, 
hardcore. Um, what was he on Howard the Duck? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. I couldn't even bring myself to even look at the IMDb for that movie, to be honest with you. Oh, come on. Howard's great. <laughs> and the fact that the new Marvel guys are totally leaning into Howard the Duck makes me even happier. <laughs> oh, he was Dr. Chapin on Howard the Duck. So not a very big role, but they needed an old guy to check people out. So. <laughs> now, the most interesting thing about Comey I found was that he earned three Purple Hearts when he was uh, deployed in Korea. Oh, wow. Which, I mean, three, that's that's pretty dang impressive. Um, and yeah, it's kind of crazy they didn't send him home after two. Yeah, My I know. Goodness. That, that's, the, that's the thing. It's like, and he went back out a third time. Right. Um, and unfortunately, he passed away in 2016 in uh, Pasadena, California. But he is oh. really good in this part, I have to say. Yeah. Really good I, episode, I, I really good actor. Role. Yeah. Um, now, Kirk is already stressed out. Um, so he's like, listen, Styles, shut up. That was their war. It's not your war. Don't forget that. We gotta be calm, cool, keep our heads together. And Sulu's sitting there like, um, is there anywhere else I can be right <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at my board. Ooh, what's that on the floor? Oh man, I really don't want to be here. It was totally like when you're a kid and you go over to a friend's house and they're getting yelled at for something. <laughs> you're just like do 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 I'm going to eat some more peas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so they arrive at outpost four. <laughs> Post outpost two and three are gone. And the asteroids they were on were pulverized. Dun, 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 dun. Which pulverized is the maximum setting of Romulan weapons. We know that. <laughs> it's the pulverizer. <laughs> <laughs> so... Kirk gets all like mellow. Oh, not the outpost. <laughs> okay. He tells Uhura to tell, hey, tell everybody back home where we're at right now. And then he grimly calls red alert. Yeah. No, it, 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 it again, very much a military commander. Like I didn't want to be in this war, but they're going to push me into it. Aren't they? <laughs> And he, he forces it, which, I mean, it's a great scene. It's awesome. And th- honestly, it shows Shatner's true range, which unfortunately he didn't get to show a lot on this show, <laughs> but his, his real range of being able to be dramatic. And it was a great scene. Um, and then he looks to Spock and Spock's like, yeah, yeah, I, I was doing a thing. <laughs> yeah, Spock just turns around. It's like, yeah, glad I'm not the captain. Right. <laughs> Sucks to be huge, buddy. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to solve a mystery that we've been talking about for a while. What the heck is the phaser room uh, or phaser deck? Yes. Um, So Kirk's like, (laughs) we need to charge the phasers. And Styles is like, I got that. Hey, phaser room. (laughs) 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 Which, I mean, we do move in the future to phasers are a button that you push in front of you. Not a, (laughs) we're going to call a crew to go fire these things. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it is very much like a submarine. Um, we, we flash down to that deck and we see, um, what's her face? Angela, Angela Martin, Angela Martin. No, Martin. not Angela. Yeah. Angela, Angela Martin. Yeah. Angela Martin. Martin. That's it. Um, Angela Martin. Uh, she is at what I can only guess is the reception desk <laughs> for the phaser room. <laughs> And then we see a shot of people who are working at consoles and stuff. And I think they're like lifting things into other things. It's kind of weird. 
it definitely looks like a weapons. Um, what, what do they call it? Not deck, not bay on a submarine. Um, uh, a torpedo room. A room. Yeah. It, it looks like a torpedo room. And the, these people are all moving around like they would be in a torpedo room. And so you kind of go, oh, okay. So the phaser room is the subs weapons. room. That, <laughs> okay. I get that. And, and her job uh, is just based to make sure that they're doing stuff. Did you do that? We did that. Do we do that? We did that. Do you, did you, did you do that? We did that too. Okay. We're ready. Yeah. Right. And apparently it's just push a big red button downstairs <laughs> instead of a big red button upstairs, which as you wrote here, makes a lot of sense. Cause they just let anybody on the bridge. <laughs> yes. That's the thing is like, uh, we don't want phaser control up here because captain Kirk has a bad habit of just let people wander on the bridge and walk right. around. It's it's what's that. You're, you're a, a, a lovely lady wearing a fur vest. Yeah, come on up. <laughs> it's fine. Don't sit on that button over there. You know that button right there? I could I could blow something up if I touch that. Yeah, you know right. what? We're putting the button downstairs. That's the real reason. Is Scotty was like, oh, he's doing it again. We're moving that downstairs again. He doesn't get access. I said I wasn't going to do that anymore. Okay. All right. <laughs> Eventually, they'll figure out that it's safe on Sulu. So in, f- in future Star Treks, Sulu is going to be the one who has the red button that fires the thing. So they figure, you know what? We can trust that dude. Yeah, it's true. Sulu has shown that he's got a much more level head than a lot of people on that bridge. Um, she doesn't actually, er, so Angela Martin doesn't seem to actually be doing anything real phasery. She's just kind of talking to people and talking to her husband. Who's her boss. Yeah. That doesn't Ooh. raise some concerns, right? HR needs to get involved here. I don't know. Um, there, I did like the, uh, <coughs> Excuse me. I did like that the guys were talking about how starboard and midship weapons show ready. Yes. That was their announcement. Yeah, it's on. <laughs> okay, then why do we keep on just firing it out of the bottom, bottom of the saucer if we have starboard and midship weapons? Never mind. Right? We, we don't. They're ready, though. If, if Hey, hey guys, if you want to use these, uh, they're just sitting here. Kirk's like, why would I use sideways? I, like, I, don't know I only shoot things that are directly in front of me. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the way I captain. You don't right. like it. Go to a different ship. I'm sure other ships shoot sideways, shoot behind them. That's fine. If they want to do that, frankly, I don't care. We shoot <laughs> things in front of us. So we go back to the bridge and we find out outpost four is only five minutes away. Dun, that was dun, a dun. long three minutes. They're moving so slow. Oh my gosh. We were just supposed to be eight minutes away, 12 minutes ago. Right. We have learned from these first several episodes that at this point in Star Trek's canon, numbers aren't really a thing. (laughs) We're not great with those. We'll get better. This this is the reason Sulu had to keep time all the time because nobody else on the ship could. Right. It's like, (laughs) man, why don't they just wear watches? Oh, how does this fall to me? Oh, well, he does keep time really well. He's got the, he does have a clock on his desk. So (laughs) at that point, I'm Uh, just kind of wondering, do you guys even know where you're going? Because you said eight minutes, 12 minutes ago. So, (laughs) (laughs) so then we finally call outpost four because we're close enough now. Apparently you have to be five minutes away to call these guys, which (laughs) is really rough considering when they need to call us, we want them to be able to reach us, but Hey, you know, five minutes, what are you going to do? It's the five minute rule. Uh, 
So they, they get a hold of the commander, Commander Hansen, who is isn't no relation to Annika that we know of. I got I, I would guess not because he's not gonna live a whole lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> um now interestingly enough though, when they when they put him on screen, he's not looking forward. Um he's he's looking at the back of the room at a bunch of fire and stuff, and you're like, um, hey, hey, Commander Hansen, uh, we're over here. And then he turns around. He's like, oh, hey, guys. <laughs> I was like, okay, guys, don't turn on the camera until I have my back. To- I want to do the dramatic <laughs> turn. Right. It wasn't exactly dramatic either. It was It was very much like, oh, oh, you guys are over there. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to be on this monitor back here. Um, so this was played by uh, Gary Wahlberg. Gary. No relation to Mark. <laughs> this is not Marky Mark's grandfather or anything. Unfortunately. <laughs> that would have been a better story. <laughs> um, he, so, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, he, uh, Wahlberg was probably most well-known for playing Lieutenant Moynihan on the uh, Jack Klugman series, uh, Quincy, in the 70s and 80s. Um, he had worked with, actually with Jack Klugman also as one of the poker buddies in The Odd Couple. And as a matter of fact, his very last television credit, it was a uh, reunion show for The Odd Couple. Um, strange union show for the what's that for the odd couple oh man sorry that's just crazy yeah they actually uh, the two of them actually did a uh, a tour of it not long after that also uh, oh I do remember that yeah yeah. Um, just a weird bit of weird trivia he himself played a corner actually and they call me Mr. Tibbs the sequel to In the Heat of the Night that was just kind of a weird thing um, he started they his television career. Sorry. <laughs> um, so he started his, uh, his uh, TV career in 1952. Um, just going to point out that when I looked at his name, something else popped up that keeps on popping up. Mannix. What's that? Mannix. Mannix and Star Trek seem to have a lot of crossover in both writers, directors, and actors. At some point, I'm going to have to con- compile some of this information together, but I keep on seeing Mannix time and time again on both male and female guest stars for Star Trek. But anyway, uh, Wahlberg passed away in 2012. He was 90 years old and ended up with 114 film and TV credits at the end of his career. Wow. That is nuts. That is a ton, a ton of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, he was a pretty busy guy. I did find that Gary Wahlberg's not the only one who's played Hanson. Uh, Hanson did come back in Strange New Worlds. Yes. Um, for anybody who follows No Seatbelts on the Bridge, I did post something about this on Blue Sky. Um, <laughs> that uh, uh, he was played by, oh, I'm going to totally screw this up, Ali, uh, I can't remember his last name. Um, I thought you had it in here. Uh, it's not. No, it's not in here. I don't think. Anyway, so he's played by a new actor. Um, they basically... It's it's supposed to be the exact same person. Uh, his son actually is the one that they created as being one of the cadets who was lost in a training accident with Pike. Yes. So Pike is very much he he's got this guilt about you know I've got to I've got to tell him I've got to tell him and he knows that if he tells him he's going to ruin the timeline and so but anyway that was Hanson's son. Uh, so I thought that was a really cool little uh, add-on that came out of Strange New Worlds. Yeah, yeah, I did like that they did the callback on that to kind of put bookends on it. Yeah, right. So they find out Outpost 2, 3, and 8 are gone. 
Gary's like, hey, or not Gary. Uh, Hanson's like, hey, yeah, they they blew up everything, man. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, um, we charged our deflectors 100%, and it didn't matter. It cut through like Swiss cheese. There was nothing. We could wear, and, what uh, do you say? We're a mile down underneath the yeah. pure iron. Right. It goes back to what we were talking about with the asteroids being actually, or the, the outpost actually being inside the asteroids. Like this should be darn near impenetrable. And they were, he's like, yeah, they just cracked them like walnuts. They were just gone. <laughs> um, and Kirk's like, well, what did the ship look like? And he's like, you know what? I didn't really see it. I, I don't know. It was, it was, it was there and it was gone. I, I, I didn't see anything. Yeah. I, I love the empathy from Kirk on this one too. It blew up everything. Everyone's dead. Really? What'd it look like? Yeah, right. Well, I don't know. You know, Kirk's leaning over to Spock like, I mean, if he doesn't know what it looks like, did he really see anything? I mean, come on. That could have been a short for all we know. <laughs> so um, the the thing I did like, though, is that Outpost 4 is clearly in flames. And Hanson's just like, hey, guys, so here's what's going on. Here's everything that happened. And that's like, you know, you're on fire, right? <laughs> yeah, it happens. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's some pretty good stuff. Uh, but Hans, it's like, you know, they, they hit us with large quantity of high energy plasma. Um, okay. I, I'm not really sure what that means. I mean, it, <laughs> high energy plasma could be a lot of things, but whatever. So we, uh, so Hanson switches to an exterior view. And when we do that, we see the Romulan bird of prey for the first time. Ooh. And he's like, uh, guys, you're seeing this, right? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, bad news. I don't have any weapons. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in real trouble. I hate to bring it up at this time, but uh, do you guys have any weapons on your ship? Because I, I don't have any here. <laughs> so I do love the Bird of Prey. Um, this is one of my favorite ships. And so I did a little bit of a deep dive on it. Oh, I wanted to, to dig into some stuff. Uh, so this, is a, this uh, ship design was originally in the script as a saucer section similar to like the enterprise uh, with a giant gun running down the center of it. So uh, the design was handed over to Wa Ming Chang, who is also the designer we've talked about previously, who created the uh, Telosian headpieces. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, he's a great sculptor. He's got some, some great pieces that he's made. And it turns out he actually was responsible for the design of the tricorders, communicators, some of the first laser or the first laser pistols from uh, the cage uh, and tons of other stuff. Oh yes, But yeah. there is a particular look and feel of Star Trek that Waming Chang is actually responsible for just because of the fact that he was handed all these projects. Um, anyway, just really, really cool history there. Now, when he created the original model, he created basically the saucer section with the two uh, nacelles off to the side and they filmed with it. And, after that was used, uh, basically, the union uh, had some strike stuff going on. And during that period of time, uh, the union found out that the way that they were paying Wa Ming Chang for his role was, or for his work was not super up and up. Oh. Uh, so it, it turns out Wa did not actually join the union. And uh, CBS was paying him under the table by basically buying the designs from him instead of him building them for Star Trek. Gotcha. Right. So they were like, Oh, I know this guy who builds spaceships. So I bought a spaceship from him yes. instead of he works for our show. So anyway, um, 
So after the union found out about this, they got real pissed and they basically forced the studio to shut that down. So Wah did not want to join the union and he was pissed. So he literally took the, the ship home with him and smashed it in his backyard with a baseball bat. Oh, <laughs> now that is one story. Another story is that it ended up floating around until it got picked up by a collector and that collector was not willing to sell it back to the studio to use in other projects. Uh. So I'm not hundred percent sure which one's true, but honestly, the way that they were paying law for his stuff, it sounds pretty legit. Yeah. Um, now in the, uh, the re or the remaster that we watched, this one's actually kind of neat. Um, there was a gentleman by the name of uh, Petri Blomquist who was making these ridiculously detailed models. And it was like for his own um, usage. Um, and he was posting about them online and talking about them and stuff. And the studio found out about it and was like, we want to buy those for the remaster. And so they're, they're digital models and everything. Um, but it's so detailed and so big, the studio couldn't really use them in their render farm. On top of that, uh, they needed to convert it to the format that was usable in the Maya uh, uh. rendering software. So what you see on screen is actually dumbed down quite a bit from what Petri, uh, Petri made. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of a cool thing. And he also went on to sell them a couple other models as well. And after doing so, they finally gave him a consultant title uh, in all of the remastered oh, credits. That's cool. So he's, he's got his name on the original <laughs> series credits at, because he made all these digital models. So I just thought that was super duper cool. That is very cool. Now, lastly... Bird of Prey. Both Klingons and Romulans have Bird of Prey. This is the birthplace of the Bird of Prey. Um, but in the third series, there was a Klingon D7 that was used as a quote-unquote Romulan Bird of Prey in an episode. Um, <laughs> that is, for those of you who don't know, that's the Klingon ship that has the little hat. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? It's, Ooh, it's yeah. a ball on a stick with a hat on it. <laughs> Um, so the Klingon D seven was used as a Romulan bird of prey because, well, as we said before, the other model just wasn't around anymore. <laughs> and so they used the Klingon one, they painted the, uh, the bird on it, and then they threw a line into the script that said, Oh, and by the way, the Romulans and the Klingons have been sharing military technology, <laughs> thus setting up canon to call them both bird of prey for the rest of the franchise <laughs> all because they were like, we don't have time or money to build a new one right now. So let's just throw a line. In there. Makes sense to me. Right. I, I love the story about the, the Romulan bird of prey It's so cool. There's so many ins and outs and weird things about it. It's awesome. Anyway. So speaking of bird of prey, it decloaks right up outside of outpost four. And then it just, it just spews this big orange gas cloud. I'm sorry. <laughs> High energy plasma. High energy plasma, which looks like a big ball of red Play-Doh. Which just incidentally, high energy plasma was my breakdancing name in the 80s. Ooh, nice. I like that. <laughs> my breakdancing name in the 80s was my mom says I'll get my pants dirt. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> Um, they, uh, it, it turns out that when this thing goes off and blows up outpost four, the enterprise might be a little close because 
boom. <laughs> and guess what? As we all know, there are no seatbelts on this bridge. <laughs> There's also no dim switch for the for the view screen as everybody's blinded by the light that it comes out. Right? Um, and then the ship disappears. Uh, so the Hansen turns the camera back on. He's, again, looking the wrong way. Um, and uh, when he turns around again, you see... Uh, his insignia on his shirt, I just want to point this out real quick. His insignia on his shirt is a classic example of the insignias are, are per ship or per position or whatever. Um, so he's got this really weird one, which they did actually fully replicate in Strange New World. Yes. Real cool. Anyway, um, so he just kind of stands there and he's like, they, they came out of nowhere. <laughs> and, but he's like, they were they were using a cloaking system, all right? And we know how cloaking systems work. So here, let's talk about how these things work. Even though a minute ago, he was like, I have no idea why they couldn't see these guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so after it explodes, the other part of the camera that was real problematic was that we could, for some reason, see where he was <laughs> yes. using his external camera. Yes, it went from okay, there's the ship and there's the weapon. The weapon hits me and then the camera goes back. So you all can make sure and watch me die. Right. It is. It's real strange. And then after I die, the camera switches back out to the exterior so you can see the ship disappear again. Right. It's crazy. Oh, there it is. Yes. Uh, The guy who played Hanson. All right. So Hanson's real name or full name is Hanson Al-Salah, according to canon. Uh, in Strange New World, he was played by uh, Ali ha- Ali Hassan, uh, who wore the the cool new costume, and his son, uh, and, excuse me, Hanson's son was uh, Mat Al Salah, and uh, he was killed on a J class trading ship. <laughs> those J classes, man, they got to get rid of those things. They're like they're like the uh, Pintos of space, right? Don't touch them. Anyway, that was that, that's where that whole Hanson side story ended up. Um, so Spock's like, hey, you know, whatever that thing was, it showed up right before it fired. And then, and then Jim Jim's goes, like, oh, oh, yeah, they must have to do that because they don't have enough energy. Right. <laughs> that's what? the only possible explanation. Based on what? What? How? Ah. Oh, sorry. There's so like the next few minutes, the leaps of logic are so bizarre. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so Spock's like, uh, well, we have motion detectors. Um, and I mean, we, we got a wiggle on the motion detector. So, so something's moving. Right. Which if you have motion detectors, why don't you just follow those? <laughs> yeah, like, you just solved the problem right there. Except and her is in the, the background going tailpipe. It's got a tailpipe. And Spock's like, cloaking, you say? Well, let me tell you a little story about cloaking. <laughs> well, yeah, we know how to do it. It just takes a lot of power. And right. maybe they've rooted out. Yeah. I, I, I love that they, they immediately jump to, well, they've clearly solved this huge power problem. <laughs> I don't know. And then Spock goes the most bizarre I've heard so far. He's like, well, we can't see them when they're cloaked, so we must assume that they probably can't see us while they're cloaked. Yes. Which, I mean, let's be honest from an engineering decision. That seems like the dumbest way to design a cloak ever. So you're, you're literally 
taking the precedent from if I close my eyes, you can't see me. <laughs> if I can't see you, you can't see me. <laughs> it's so good, man. And I just love that. That's, that's his first thing he jumps to. And everybody else on the bridge is like, oh, yeah, well, that seems fair. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, makes sense. that sounds right. <laughs> oh man. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, it sets up a lot, right? They're, they're just like, Oh, now we got to figure out where these guys are. So wherever that may take us, I don't know. <laughs> Hope we don't end up in the neutral zone. <laughs> Kirk's like, hey, um, why don't you match that other ship's course? Which, again, they can't see them. This is a direct rip from um, the enemy below. Oh, sure. This sure. is a direct rip when they... When the submarine is moving away, um, the captain of the ship tells them, hey, the position that they're in, they can't be, their sonar isn't super uh, reliable. So Mm -hmm. we're going to do this, the exact same thing. We're going to shadow every move that they make because they may suspect that we're bad guys, but they won't know for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so Styles is like, listen, are you sure you want to get close to these guys? And that's when Kirk's like, well, you know, if they see us, they're going to think we're a shadow. Which, I at this point, I, I shadow's kind of a new thing with all these sensors they've been talking about. <laughs> like, why would there be a shadow? I don't, again, I don't understand. This is, in my opinion, this is because the Federation firmly believes that they have the best sensors of anybody. Which, if okay. you're going against Romulans and Klingons. And Cardassians, you're probably not wrong. Well, 60s Romulans. I mean, once we get to 90s Romulans, those guys are scared. (laughs) But I think think Starfleet kind of has a uh, a little uh, uh, prejudice and pride when it comes to their own sensor systems that they they really rely a lot on their sensor sensor systems. You know, they touched on that a couple times in Picard, actually, which I thought was kind of cool of, of people being like, why does the Federation think they're the best at everything? They're not. And I, I thought that was really kind of a, a cool thing to put into everybody's head because there are a lot of storylines that suffer because, <clears throat> excuse me, because of this whole idea that the Federation is always the best. Yes. It is a very, it's a very original series American viewpoint right? The, everything we do is right. Everything we do is the best. There can't possibly be any gray areas here. And I think that it wasn't until the later shows that we really started saying, well, you know, we're all just people. There's probably people who are better at stuff than us. Yeah. And you know, better people than us too. And you start to see the little dirty underside of Federation politics and. Oh, totally. I don't know. Um, but so styles is kind of pissed off. Right. Because he's like, well, if this is all we're going to do. This is a waste of our time. We should be killing things. Yeah. And this, this really confuses me because Kirk says, okay, we're going to stand down from an alert. And Styles starts to grumble and talk about, hey, they just blew up some ships and they're trying to get away. And Kirk's like, well, what are you question my orders? And Styles goes, no one pointed out we might have spies on our ship. What? Yeah. Right. Where just out of nowhere. You, yeah. Where did you pull that out and of your then- butt? And then Sulu's like, yep, sounds logical to me. Like, what? I, I agree. What? Wait, what? The, the only thing I've heard there is that Sulu was just like, I hate it when I disagree with this dude. He yeah, just right. doesn't shut up about it. So yeah, no, whatever he said. I just agree. He will stop talking. 
So then Kirk says, okay, let's go to security alert. Yeah, because that's a thing. What the hell is security alert? <laughs> well, it's like red alert, but only a few people know about it. I was I wondering know. if I, he was just doing this to pacify Styles. I don't know. Well, you, that's a good idea. We'll go into right. uh, security hey, uh, Rand, alert. Why don't you push the security alert button? <laughs> yeah, do that. <laughs> I don't know. It, it totally pulled me out of the moment um, that they did this whole security alert. And then it was a throwaway. They did absolutely nothing with yes. it in the whole story. Yes. It was just kind of like, eh, it was there. Whatever. I don't know. The only thing I could figure it was, it was there to give some sort of plausible reason why styles is going to react the way that he does a little bit later. Yeah. But it was clumsy. It was very clumsy. It was like, none of what you said adds up to spies being on the ship. I, I think that one of the sad things about this episode, like it's, it's for the most part, it's a really good episode, but you take a character like styles that was actually acted pretty well and they just didn't know how to use him. Because there was a lot of good meat there that they could have worked yes, with. But yes. they just they just missed the mark on using this character every time. They and over, it's really they too over bad. Simpl- oversimplified it a little bit. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Anyway, so Ahura starts picking up a signal from, I guess, the Romulan ship. She just <laughs> says, it's it's from somewhere. And it's coded. It's, it's encrypted. Okay, cool. And so she hands it off to Spock. And Spock's like... I, I know Unix. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> so he hacks into their, to their bridge camera, um, which apparently is a thing that Spock knows how to do all the time. I, I'm, you know? I'm going to say it's getting a little unsettling how easily Spock can turn on other people's remote cameras. I right. just, you know what it is? Everybody's using those cheap webcams and you can just figure out what the URL is. You're good. To go. <laughs> I mean, you got to put passwords on these things. people. <laughs> Man, I just dated myself like 10 years. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so the call is apparently coming from the observation deck. So <laughs> I didn't um, wait a second. Isn't that where isn't that where Kirk took took his date last episode? It is. And they're gonna use it again in the next episode as the observation <laughs> deck. So I thought it was kind of cool though that we got to actually see how that worked because knowing it ahead of time before I got to the episode, it was really cool to see how they had actually changed the room and how they didn't change the room. Yes. Um, I thought the choice to use this as a bridge was real weird um, until I started thinking about it in terms of submarines. Yes. The same thing. Right. Like that bridge is super tiny and you've got what five people crammed in there. Yeah. Although if you think about it as a submarine deck, it makes a whole lot of sense that they're all crowded around the way that they are. Um, So that was kind of cool. Um, I actually did uh, a little bit of reading about this room and the original script actually did call for this to, to be as close to a sub as possible, right down to having a periscope. Um, and they were supposed to all have uh, their own seats or no, no seats. They were supposed to be standing, but they were all supposed to have their own um, uh, uh, work terminals. And the commander was supposed to be able to use the periscope. Ah, gotcha. Um, okay. Apparently at some point they, they, you know, got rid of the periscope idea and just had two commanders walking around staring <laughs> up at walls, which is a little weird, but it kind of works anyway. So, uh, this is, like I said, th- this is the one from the observation deck from the previous episode. Uh, and they're going to use it in the next episode. So I'm guessing they dressed it or I'm guessing the next episode is actually filmed before this one. And then they redressed it. I, I don't know. Or maybe they did a temporary redress Yeah, back and forth. Who knows? But 
when they zoom or when they turn on the camera, we can see everybody doing their work. And we're like, oh, wow, those are Romulans. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do love the fact that they did a great job of it being a remote camera. Like nobody knows they're being looked at. So <laughs> nobody's like, you know, it's not like a profile shot or a, a, a portrait shot. It was, oh, here's the kind of side and back of this guy. And then he turns around and dun, dun, dun. The whole bridge looks at Spock like, uh. That dude that looks, looks like you. Yeah, right? <laughs> and Spock's like, dad? <laughs> because, of course, this is our good friend, Mark Leonard. Dun, dun, dun. One thing I do want to point out just on this whole thing, when the Romulan commander turns around, if he had been safety conscious and worn a helmet, mm-hmm. nobody would have thought anything about it. They wouldn't have seen his ears. That's and we true. just said, oh, that's what Romulans look like. It's only because the commander decided that, oh, no, he was too cool for school and he's not going to wear his safety helmet. Uh, he turns around and we see that it is Mark Leonard. And Mark Leonard is one of our favorites for Star Trek. Because oh, he's yeah. got a very storied career. Um, but at this point, he's just the Romulan commander. Everybody's <laughs> looking at him and they're like, hey, this guy's got pointy ears and he's got high eyebrows. And I mean, he looks like a Vulcan. And everybody looks at Spock and Spock's like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> he seems the least surprised out of everyone. It's like, oh, yeah, that figures. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> No one you guys are jerks. You're my cousins. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark Leonard, uh, this is his first appearance on Star Trek. Um, the, we are not going to know him as Romulan Commander anymore, which I also found it interesting. He doesn't have a name. No. He's just Romulan Commander. Um, although if you look him up on IMDb or look this episode up on IMDb, for some reason, the or not on IMDb, I'm sorry, on Google, for some reason, his character comes up in French. It's the only one. All the other characters, it shows in English, but his is in French. <laughs> it's like Le Commandant de Romulan or something like that. It's, it's weird. Um, anyway, so we're going to know him in the future as Spock's dad, Sarek. Yes. He's also going to end up being the Klingon commander at the very beginning of Star Trek, the motion picture. And then he's yeah, also going weird. to be an episode of Next Generation where he plays a undescribed alien in the um episode most toys oh that's right yeah he's the uh he's the other collector that comes to uh to look at data and he's got so much stuff i mean you can't you don't really see his face he's got a a huge head head prosthetic on and nose prosthetic and such though his voice is pretty that robot's been naked in the last few minutes (laughs) you should fix that So Mark Leonard uh, joined the army at the age of 19 and started acting in small theatrical productions while he was in the military. Um, He actually wanted more formal education in acting, and he went to the University of Michigan and got a master's degree in uh, acting in theater. Uh, He started primarily as a stage actor, and then his first movie role would be Balthazar in Greatest Story Ever Told, the uh, the. The movie about Jesus that stars, uh, mm-hmm. uh, why is his name slipping my mind? I am blanking as well. I've been thinking a lot about death lately. Max von Sydow. Thank you. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> Which, you know, when I think Jesus, nothing says warm and cuddly like Max von Sydow. 
<laughs> so Mark Leonard did work in both TV and movies. Um, just after Star Trek, he would become one of the primary actors in a television show called Here Comes the Bride, a Western that was based in uh, post-Civil War Seattle, Washington. Go Hawks! Um, one of the last- now, this, this is not the first time we've talked about Here Comes the Brides. This is apparent. This apparently was an, uh, a rather successful show that went on for what, like two or three seasons, and we it's come up. I forget which actor it was that uh, was on that show as well. Yes, but it came up in a previous episode, and we were both like, never heard of this show before. But apparently, it was successful enough that it actually had a longer run. Yeah, I actually just saw an episode on. I believe it was on Pluto TV on one of the fifty channels, and. Mm-hmm. I only knew what it was because I heard Mark Leonard's voice. He was yelling at somebody. It's like, that sounds like Sarek. <laughs> that's funny. And he was yelling at Bobby Sherman for some reason. Well, that's kind of weird. <laughs> um, uh, one of the, the last performances Mark Leonard would actually do was a stage play called the boys in autumn. And he actually played Huckleberry Finn, who was visiting his friend Tom Sawyer in their old age and Tom Sawyer was played by Walter Koenig, Koenig pardon me, of oh, uh, wow. Star Trek fame as well. That's awesome. So uh, he was also, Roddenberry actually also uh, wanted to use him as Lincoln in the episode of Savage Curtain, but he wasn't available at the time. So he almost got to play a human also in Star Trek. He came that close. Jeez Louise, human, Romulan, Vulcan, <laughs> Klingon. Oh my gosh. And whatever that other thing was. <laughs> And uh, he did pass away in 1996. Now I will say that was, that was definitely one of those where I was like, Oh man, I, when I heard that, that Leonard had pa- or Mark Leonard had passed away, I was, I was heartbroken. That was a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just, uh, it, it was one of those, one of those character actors that you don't realize how much he's really intruded on your life and not intruded. That's a terrible word. He, he's, he's touched your life, right? Yes. And he, when he's gone, you're like, Whoa, I just had no idea. Anyway. He was such an integral part of Star Trek without being one of the regular characters, but he was, I mean, just so, just so part of the primary mythos of the whole thing. Cause Spock's daddy issues are a large part of his character. Yeah. Um, and so it's true. It, it, the, the specter of Mark Leonard, even, and one of the things I always thought amazing is they picked a great actor that it's believable that Leonard Nimoy and Mark Leonard be related. I mean, oh yeah. They, they have a even though they're only like seven years apart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that some of the finest acting I ever saw on TNG was when Mark Leonard came on as uh as Sarek and he was dying. Yes. I oh my god, that was heart wrenching. Yeah. Yeah, and he was in pretty that last one, he did reunification. He was in pretty bad health at that time. Yeah. Um but he I remember reading how he really insisted he wanted to kind of put the bookend on the character and, and he pushed through it, even though he was not feeling well at the time. Uh, it's so sad. And we appreciate it, Mark. Absolutely. So back to the story styles looks over at Spock and is like, um, <laughs> Hey, that's not great. Um, and Spock's looking at him like, yeah, we're allies, dude. Don't forget that. 100 years. We've been doing this for 100 years and still you guys right. don't trust the Vulcans. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, you remember on uh, DS nine, they did uh, the trials and, and tribulations oh, episode yeah. oh, where yes. they, they went back to the uh, star base and uh, um, they basically inserted all the DS nine characters into the episode of, of uh, the trouble with tribbles. 
that episode when they go into the bar and the Klingons come in and everybody looks at Worf like, uh, what, what, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's totally the same thing here. <laughs> everybody looks at Spock like, wait, they look just like you. What? Uh, anyway, I, I just loved it. It was, a, it was a great moment. And Spock's kind of like, guys, there's a whole planet of guys who look like me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> ah. You've got some splaining to do, which is only okay because we're on Desilu Studios. Anyway, uh, so as we're getting ready to go back to commercial, this is fantastic. The hacked bridge camera zooms in on Mark Leonard's face for for dramatic effect. I love that, and I, I love the idea that you know he's you know on his ship he sees this happen on the screen and he's like, how many times have I told you guys to fix this zooming problem? <laughs> Every time the music gets a little loud, this thing zooms in. I hate it. <laughs> Alexa, bring out the camera. Alexa, bring out the camera. <laughs> so when we come back from, from commercial, we see Sulu and Styles are still staring at Spock. <laughs> Can you imagine the, like you didn't watch the first half of this episode and you came back from that commercial and you're like, what is going on? <laughs> What is happening on the on the starboard part of the ship? And why aren't you telling us what it is? Right? <laughs> anyway, and, and so the Spock is just like, first of all, I'm still your guys' superior officer. Did did you guys forget that part somehow? Because Right. Well, I, I think Sulu can probably be forgiven with like, oh, oh, uh, uh I'm I'm sorry. And, <laughs> and like I wasn't thinking. Whereas Styles is like, you know. Yeah, what of it? It's not until Kirk is like, dude, you have a job to do. Can you please do your job? And (laughs) Spock's like, you think this is the first time I've dealt with racism? You guys have no idea what my childhood was like. Well, and you think that's racist. Then Kirk is like, hey, Ahura, any any status on the translation? And and Styles is like, maybe you should ask Spock. Whoa, (laughs) dude. And then Kirk's like, uh, you want to try saying that again? And he does. No. <laughs> Navigators, man. This is what he go through one a week. Right? I don't know. It does lead to a great iconic Star Trek rule, though. Or a Star Trek line, though. <laughs> you can be sure of this, mister. Leave any bigotry you have in your quarters. There's no room for it on the bridge. Unless I'm doing it. <laughs> Oh, wait. No. This is where I bring chicks, man. <laughs> man. Seriously, he keeps bringing them on the bridge. <laughs> Being, I don't know. Having bigotry on the on the bridge just could be a big turnoff, so it ain't happening. You got me, buddy. Right. So then Ahura gives Spock a tape of the transmission, and it sounds like garbage. <laughs> so Spock's like, oh, yes, I can also decrypt this message as well. And he starts decrypting by ear. I have decrypted many things. I don't have an ear that good, but then again, I'm not a Vulcan. So, okay. I don't think these guys actually read anything about decryption. World War II had decryption. All right. Spock is just that smart, man. Wow. Anyway. So the Romulan ship starts to move to port and, Enterprise just keeps on marrying them, mirroring them, mirroring them. (laughs) (laughs) So they keep on following it. And on the Romulan ship, 
<laughs> the commander's like, why'd you turn off the cloak? Yeah, there's the nobody around. Like, right? oh, there's nobody here. <laughs> we're probably, we're probably going to go sunbathing later. You know, it's cool. There's nobody around. Right? I mean, I, I get it. They, they're they using up a lot of power. Spock told us that. But still, like, hey, maybe, you know, ask your boss before you turn off the cloak. Yeah, because I, I like the thing, too, of like, well, the commander tells him that thing is out there. And the guy's like, well, we, we think it's just a reflection. And the, right. the commander has to remind him, yeah, but I'm the one who makes the decisions, dumbass. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I, okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he's like, I guess I'll turn it back on then. <laughs> and then we get this real classic. Um, we've got to get into the, the, the Roman centurion kind of, of speech of listen, every Roman soldier just wants to go back to his patch of land and take care of his crops and see his wife and his children. That's all he wants in all the world. So the commander has the same talk. So he's going to talk with a centurion who is actually played by John Warburton. Uh, John uh, started his movie career in 1932 and worked almost exclusively in movies up until about 1952, where he moved to television with Fireside Theater. Um, he had some really not some nice things in his past, and I don't think we're going to go into him here. Let's just say that I'm really, really glad that he never dated my sister. All righty then. Um, he passed away in 1981, and with the stuff I read, you know what? I think we're just going to leave it right there for that. Wow. It's not very <laughs> often that we go, that's too salacious. <laughs> really don't want to hear about that sort of thing. <laughs> the one it's not related to Patrick Warburton, is he? Not that I could see. Hmm. <laughs> oh, no, he's English. <laughs> So one thing that did strike me is that this particular scene that they're going to have where uh, the Romulan uh, commander speaks to the centurion and talks about, I I just don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Um, This is also a direct rip from uh, enemy below. There's a scene where the captain takes his first officer into his cabin with him and they have some schnapps and he basically does the whole thing of, you weren't around for the last war. The last war was a good war. This war, this war sucks compared to the last war. And I don't want to do yeah. this war anymore. And I'm going to, because I'm supposed to, but I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I, I, and I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's a very dramatic scene. Um, the, these, these guys were both really chewing, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was, they're, they're that kind of actor, but I, I, I don't know. It, it was something that you could kind of connect with. And it, it was, it was kind of the, do the Russians love their children too? Yes. Right? Like, you know, it, it's just two guys that are like, listen, I get that this is what we're supposed to do. We've got a mission and all this stuff. I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't think it's right. And I can't wait till we can stop doing this. I thought it was really good. Uh, uh, humanizing of the enemy type thing. Right. Um, now the thing we have to notice in the background though, is all the other guys who aren't commanders and centurions, they have to wear their safety helmets. <laughs> I freaking love these helmets. They are so cool. They're they're like really form fitting. It it's kind of somewhere between a bicycle helmet and a uh, um, like a wrestling helmet. Yes, uh, right. They're like real close to the head. It's good stuff. 
Um, I couldn't find any production information about them. And so if anybody's got anything, I would love to hear about it because I can't find anything that talks about like what they're made of, who worked on them, what they started with or any of that stuff. The only Um, thing I found about them was they couldn't produce enough ears for all the actors. And so the helmets were basically the way to go because it took less time and they didn't have to actually go through and produce the, all the, uh, the fake ears for the guys. Yeah, which, I mean, it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. I wouldn't have thought that the ears were actually the expensive part compared to the helmets, but apparently so. Um, Now, I did find a nice side-by-side image that, uh, and if you end up listening to this, I'm sorry if I butchered your name. I believe it's pronounced Jorg Hildebrand, uh, who is also a um, a Star Trek technical consultant uh, working chiefly on uh, newer properties, not, not on these older ones. It has an amazing Twitter feed. Oh my God. Follow him on Twitter. So good. Yeah. He's got amazing stuff uh, and does side by side comparisons between remasters and originals uh, between old and new, all kinds of good stuff. He did a great side by side about um, the uh, strange new worlds in the episode quality of mercy. They showed uh uh, Romulans wearing the helmets and did the side by sides on them. I honestly, I think the old ones were better. Um, the new ones kind of had this like weird fluted thing at the back of the head and some weird designs around the crown. But I mean, it was really neat to see that the, the strange new worlds folks, you know, brought it back and did some cool stuff with it. I have to go back and look at this. I do not remember those helmets from the, uh, I remember the episode, but I don't remember the helmets. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. From the shot that he posted, it looked like it was probably a background scene that like they weren't like front and center, uh-huh. um, but uh, still pretty cool detail uh, for the record. Uh, uh, Jorgas is also uh, the technical technical consultancy that he worked on. That is really cool is the enterprise D restoration. Uh, oh, yes. Picard season three. Uh, he was a, a consultant on that because of his extensive experience. Uh, he also is one, has been for years one of the uh, main editors for uh, Memory Alpha and Mem- Memory Beta, uh, which is one of the reasons he got noticed as being so amazing. Um, so much so that he's actually had his name put on a plaque for the new Enterprise. <laughs> anyway, yeah, really very cool, stuff. cool stuff. Very, very cool stuff. Um, anyway, so the helmets might actually attribute to the fact that there are no seatbelts on this bridge either. <laughs> nobody in any of the, of the, uh, uh, species care about seatbelts on the bridge. Actually, no, that's not true. I take that back. Um, oh gosh, the, there is an episode of Voyager where they come across a planet where time works differently. And a guy, uh, launches his, his, uh, spaceship into space and is able to board their shuttle because to him, they look frozen because he's going so fast. And he gets out of his ship where he is wearing a full-on harness seatbelt. He gets out and goes in. So somebody out there likes seatbelts. <laughs> Just saying. That's Daniel Day Kim in that, isn't it? It is, in fact, Daniel Day okay. Kim. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually re-watching Lost right now, and I just I can't get it out of my head. Every time he's speaking Korean, I'm like, no, Daniel Day Kim doesn't sound like that. <laughs> anyway. So uh, then we get this guy, Decius, who comes up to start talking. <laughs> yes, Decius. And Decius is another guy you're probably going to recognize because he'll pop up again as a Vulcan. It's Lawrence Montaigne. Lawrence Montaigne. 
And he did, by pure coincidence, he did an episode of Here Come the Brides. (laughs) 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 So uh, a lot of people are going to recognize him as the character Stan um, in Amic Time, who's basically the guy who was, uh, um, who Spock's wife was cheating on him with. So uh, he was a trained dancer and came to Hollywood as part of the Hollywood Bull Dance Company. Uh, he was multilingual and actually spent some time translating various medical texts for work, which I couldn't find exactly the languages, but a couple of things said he had three languages that he was, he was fluent in. Um, he also, uh, published two novels in I believe the late seventies, early eighties. Um, his first credit was the beast from 20,000 fathoms, which I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, he was also known uh, uh, where he got his first big exposure was as Canadian officer in the great escape um, where he dies in the end. But he said that was probably the exposure that got him more work down the road. Uh, he had a master's degree from North Texas state university uh, where he lectured on film and uh, passed away not that long ago in 2017. Oh, that's, I mean, that's a long life. Yeah. My goodness. Um, so he comes forward and he's like, Hey, so I called the (laughs) star empire. I just want to let you know about that. And he's like, wait, you did what now? I told you we were in radio silence. He's like, yeah, well, you know, I, I wanted to call and verify the orders because you know, I don't believe in what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) And so the commander immediately is like, Hmm. You did the wrong thing. You are demoted two steps. Whoa. Right. <laughs> Which I mean, the Romulans, they're like, I'm not going to be nice. I don't, I don't need to worry about HR. <laughs> you messed up. You busted down. It's like, it was as mellow as like, I'm going to need you to work on Saturday. Okay. And so you're demoted and, he's, and he walks away like, yep, all right, that makes sense. <laughs> hey, yeah. If you could go ahead and take two steps down and rank, <laughs> that'd be great. Man, <laughs> I don't know. So the, the, the commander really is getting nervous. I mean, he's like, this is, I mean, I know I'm supposed to figure out what these guys are capable of. And I know I'm supposed to, you know, really start something with them, but this is really uncomfortably <laughs> close. <laughs> I'd really like to not get in a war. And, and he tells the centurion, you know what? I almost hope we get blown up. <laughs> so Drew's like, uh, it's like, no, 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 no. I, it was, it was an expression. It was just an expression. It's, it's, I don't really mean. Yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so the enterprise continues shadowing the ships or the ship and styles is still griping about it. <laughs> so Kirk's like, you know what? We need to come up with a plan here. So, uh, everybody let's go to the ready room <laughs> and the entire bridge. Everybody except Uhura, I, I went back and I looked. Uhura is the only one who doesn't leave. Yeah. Everybody else goes to the ready room or to the conference room, which I, I don't understand why they didn't just talk on the bridge. <laughs> I, I can understand the, them being upset that Uhura is pointing out their stupid <laughs> stuff because they do say a lot of stupid things in the conference rooms. <laughs> and And on top of it, they feel very comfortable with how capable she is running the bridge when they're not around. That is true. It's one of those things. That is of, true. Oh, so sorry, but you're the most capable person here. So you're really going to have to hang out 
while yeah. all of us go do this thing. Yeah, there's only about a thousand BuzzFeed articles talking about how men do that in the workplace <laughs> all the time. You know, you're really much better at this. So why don't you go ahead and just take care of that for me? <laughs> so the camera starts off in uh, or with or over blah blah blah. So the camera starts off over Spock's shoulder in the conference room as he's carrying what looks like a decorative bowl. Um, <laughs> it's just a big chunk of curved metal, and he says, "This is cast rhodinium." The hardest thing known to our science. <laughs> Which I had to say when he said that, it's like, wait a second. Do we ever hear that again? I've looked it up. Churns out. Sure enough, the Cardassians build their ships with uh, rhodinium. Um, it, it is a fake element. Um, <laughs> they, they say that it's element 125, which does not exist um, yet. It turns <laughs> out that 125 is actually reserved. It's a reserved spot for finding something in the future. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure how that works, but yeah. When 125 is not yes, this is what their ship's going to be made out of. That's, that's right, right. Exactly. There. I don't know. But then Spock is like, yeah, this is the hardest thing known to man. Crumple, crumple, crumple. <laughs> and he just crushes it. Um, to which I have to ask, where did he get this? Yes. <laughs> First off is, so he's saying that this is what the, the, um, uh, the observation stations are observation stations. That's how a bill becomes a law. <laughs> no, uh, the, <laughs> The, uh, what are they called? The uh, outpost observation posts, outposts. Yes. The outpost. Thank you. Ugh, words are hard. <laughs> so, um, he says that he got it from, from the, or that this is what the outposts are made of, but wh- I don't know where he got it. If they've all been pulverized, like you either have the ones that have not been attacked or you have the ones that have been, and they've been completely disintegrated. Well, they're going through that, that pulverization field. And somebody just like reached out the window and, you know, like, Right. Snagged it. Yoink. <laughs> <laughs> hey, check this out. Breakable Casper right. It was pretty, pretty bizarre. So now he's, anyway. ex- he's explaining that this is a enveloping energy plasma that causes th- this to break down and it forces implosion. That makes no sense to me. Molecular implosion. What, what, what I, I don't understand at all how it turns out the the outposts weren't actually disintegrated they were just crushed really small they they all imploded they imploded to tiny little pebbles they can't see anymore there you go (laughs) looks like space dust (laughs) we've been reading this right not pulverized shrunk okay all right all right we can do that (laughs) yeah right i don't know everyone just kind of looks like whoa that that's terrible (laughs) oh man yeah, everybody is kind of freaked out by the by the whole thing. Seeing cast rhodidium crushed in somebody's hand is always going to be one of those things that gets everybody's attention. Oh man, always gives me the willies every time it happens. <laughs> so Spock keeps talking about you know they've got this this big plasma gun they can turn invisible. McCoy's like, oh, uh, you know, we got to be careful what we do. Or we're going to start a war. <laughs> you think? <laughs> and then Spock's got the great line. Or what we don't do could start a war. Like, oh, whoa, whoa, okay. <laughs> so we have to do something. That's what like, you're saying? Yeah, not pressuring at all here. You know, unless we're once just again, look like a bunch of wimps. Because <laughs> once again, Spock back in these days is bloodthirsty beyond belief. <laughs> I'm not weak. You're weak, <laughs> right? Um, and then Scotty's like, "Hey, they're just using impulse engines." Which, no, um, no, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> okay even if 
Romulus is only eight minutes away at warp at high warp from the neutral zone, that would mean it would still be decades away, right? Below light speed. So you and I talked about this, and I think you hit the nail on the head. Their power source is there. They can go to warp, but you can't go to warp, use your cloak or your weapon, any of those things at the same time. You got to choose one. And when you had said that, actually, it struck me that when they get hit later in the episode, the first thing the commander says is all power to weapons. It's like, that's it right there. They have basically just enough power to do one of the three things. And because we know it takes at least 20 minutes to warm up warp field coils, they couldn't just warp away from the Enterprise. They had to get far enough away where they could do that. So that's why on the bridge, you can see that box that's got four HDMI cables coming in (laughs) and one coming out. It's got that big clacky switch that switches between. Unplug it. it. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) So styles is like, you know, well, you know, we could just kill everybody. And Sulu is like, Hey dummy, (laughs) we can't see them. And this reminds me of the line from that movie in 1941, you know, can you see it? See the enemy? No, sir, but we're shooting at him. You know? <laughs> I mean, Sulu does kind of have that air about him of like, I'm just going to screw with you in front of your boss now. <laughs> you know what? I sit by you every day. I'm going to make you look really bad right now. <laughs> right. I don't know. At this point, Styles is really not rational no like he should have been confined to his quarters a long time ago yes and spock really needs to just be like you're gonna shut your mouth because if you don't shut your mouth i'm gonna shut it for you <laughs> and then i'm gonna court-martial you <laughs> and he just doesn't seem to get it <laughs> yeah styles goes off on this whole thing about you know if you don't knock them out of the sky they're gonna come back with everything everything they got yeah, right. And then for some reason, he looks at Spock and, and you know that, mister, you're the expert on these people. Why'd you leave that that particular detail out? What detail? Right? Like, I don't know anything about these people. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know if you're aware of this. I'm only like 65. I've never met him either. <laughs> I don't know. And when Styles sits down after his little outburst, the look on Scotty's face, like, oh boy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> he's, he's really waiting for us. Like, oh man, I can hardly wait. <laughs> yeah, but then out of nowhere, nobody expects this one. Spock is like, you know, the Spanish Inquisition. No, Spock <laughs> says, "I agree, attack!" And everybody's like, "Wait, whoa, what? <laughs> wait, are, are McCoy, you people pacifists? I thought you guys were pacifists." <laughs> and somehow McCoy is this voice of reason. He's like, "Um, why should we do that?" <laughs> Well, this part, uh, yeah, McCoy's like, based on what? It's like, um, based on the three pulverized outposts that we just saw. I, I, I'm not sure what else. Kirk's like, hmm, let me think. And so he talks to Ahura, and Spock's looking around like, I'm right here. <laughs> I, I love to look at his face. He's just like, is this meeting over yet? Is this meeting over yet? Is this meeting over yet? <laughs> So on the, on the table, the whole time they've been talking, there is a leather bound book on the table, which I, I found so distracting. <laughs> yes. And I did find a, a close up of the book. It is the table of comets. Uh, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a particular table of comets. Um, and so they're like, all right, let's talk about a plan. And they're talking about how they're going to go 
get these guys to get into the tail of a comet. And Kirk picks up the table of comets like, ah, there we go. And he starts handing it to Spock. And Spock's like, no, no, I got this. It's all in my head. <laughs> Which it seems like mapping all the comets in a perfect, that, that seems exactly what you would want to put in a computer. Right? Not a book <laughs> and a Vulcan. <laughs> anyway, so they're, they're like, listen, the plan's real easy. We're going to go through the comet's tail. Then we'll be able to see them. And then we can shoot at them, which I mean, it's like, it's like Scooby-Doo. Yeah? <laughs> There's a ghost that we can't see. Let's throw a bunch of flour everywhere. Yeah. There we go. We found the ghost. <laughs> All it's missing is a big anthropomorphic dog eating a giant sandwich. <laughs> and McCoy is just like, well, I mean, if you're going to do this, that's on you, man. <laughs> He just has to get that digging before he leaves. Right. It's like, boy, oh, boy Jim, I'm I really no hate to be you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they head back to the bridge. <laughs> and again, people are running around. And I love this scene because you have Kirk walking down the hall with Sulu right behind him. And then right behind him is the beekeeper guy who it looks like he's <laughs> trying to act like he's running to show that, Oh, it's urgent, but he doesn't want to run past Kirk. Right. And so it, I kind of get the feeling that Kirk walking down the hall is like when you get stuck behind somebody with like a walker <laughs> in a crowd and it's like, you know, I could go around, but I don't want to be that guy, <laughs> but I also, you know, Oh, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to walk slow behind them. <laughs> But I and have so to like, look I, like I'm still running. <laughs> right. And I, I like the idea that everybody sees Kirk this way. That anytime he's walking down the hallway, they're like, oh man, I'm stuck behind Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> he's just striding everywhere he goes. <laughs> yeah, beekeeper guy is totally like jogging in place behind <laughs> him. It's so good. So they get back to the bridge and they uh they're they're just kind of waiting for this guy to eventually get into the comet. And I, I don't really understand how that's going to work. Like, are they going to enter the comet with him or they're going to slingshot around it? Like, how does that actually, so, I don't get it. Yeah. So here's what, cause it took me a couple of times. I wasn't quite sure. And this is what I believe is happening. So the Romulan commander knows once I get so far into the comet, there's going to be a brief period of time where we're going to be obscured. They won't be able to see us. So that's why he's going into the tail of the comet to begin with. Oh, so he believes they can already see him. Yes. He still That's believes why. that it's that they're oh, out. Okay. So his plan is I'm going to go in. I'm going to do a 180 because the, he's going to come in after me. And as soon as we're obscured, I'm going to do a 180 and I'm going to unleash on him. Kirk's plan mm. is we're going to follow him to the point that he goes in. And then we're going to go around the other side and come back in and find him directly and shoot at him. So what happens is the Romulan ship goes in, Kirk goes around the other side, the Romulan ship, when it's in the tail, does a 180, comes back out and is expecting to see the Enterprise there. They don't see the Enterprise there. They freak out. The Enterprise Mm. goes through the tail of the comet thinking they're eventually going to see the Romulans. They don't. They freak out. Well, and and also I like that once they got into the the comet's tail, the Romulans, like it shows their bridge and the commander's like, um, no, we should get out of here. (laughs) Like, I I know what we were doing, but no, this isn't working. We need, we need to leave now. Yeah. Cause he, when they're in there and he's like, okay, okay, okay. And the guy says, Hey, our, our scope is clear. 
Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? The scope is clear. That's not what was supposed to happen. Let's execute escape maneuver one, which I assume is drive forward fast. <laughs> it was also a really good Funkadelic, funkadelic album in 79. <laughs> escape maneuver number one. So the, the tactic is pretty cool about all this. I think the minions were kind of, I don't know, they, they didn't really seem to get it. <laughs> he doesn't seem to be sharing much with anybody but the centurion. Yeah, exactly. And so when he's like, oh, we messed up, let's get out. All, you can see all the guys are like, um, yeah, we kind of told you we shouldn't do this. It's like, this part confused us too. We're kind of with the audience <laughs> on this. We're not sure what you were accomplishing. Right. So Kirk's like, oh man, this guy might be smart. We, we should shoot. So he says to fire a phaser array and they fire a whole bunch of torpedoes. <laughs> Because Which I okay, I gotta I gotta believe that at this time the reason that they look like torpedoes is they had to justify the cost of an entire crew in phaser control. So they were like, you know, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna use these old school phaser torpedoes. We don't have the photon ones yet. We'll use the phaser <laughs> torpedoes. That's what they were. But yeah, so he starts firing those all off, and and they basically act like depth charges. Which man, we'll never see again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. So the the effect looks like photon torpedoes. It doesn't sound like it though. It's a weird noise. I don't think we hear again. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is, I, I didn't really get it, but uh, the, the phaser crew, it, every time they get an order to fire, they just push a button. There's no <laughs> aiming. There's no like, uh, hold on. We're still loading or, or anything. They're just like, boop. <laughs> the guys up in the, the bridge, it's their job to point and shoot. Yes. It's the guys downstairs who load the gun and fire. Just, just push the button. Well, we're not really aiming at anything. Just push the button. Exactly. <laughs> so on the Romulan ship, they start shaking around like crazy because <laughs> the depth charges are working. And then something lands on the Centurion. It, it is. Or a actually, no. It, it almost lands on the commander and the Centurion pushes him out of the way. And he, which, gets, he just gets crushed by that huge piece of styrofoam. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's real squeaky. <laughs> it, it almost bounced off of it. The other thing I don't get is on top of the piece, the big piece of styrofoam was apparently a whole bunch of like broken concrete and dirt. Um, I'm not really sure why there's so much of that above the bridge, but Hey, I mean, maybe the inside of Romulan ships are all built out of concrete. I don't know. I was thinking the community uh, garden is right. Above oh, is that what it is? Level. Yeah. They, they, they broke into the planting bed. I don't know. Um, it, they tried to make it look really heavy. It did not look heavy. No. This was not a special effects plan. No. <laughs> when they tried to move the thing, they're all like, uh, 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 it's like, yeah, that, that. right. Um, so they take another direct hit and the centurion died. Oh, but now well, that's okay. The commander is incensed. He killed my old yeah. friend. No. Who I didn't really seem to be that close with because yes. we had very differing views on things and we're clearly different generations. And yeah, nothing about our relationship seemed like we knew each other, but he was my closest friend. <laughs> he was the only person on the ship that wasn't a total jerk. <laughs> That's true. The Romulan guys that work for him really are kind of jerks. Yeah, this is one of those situations that he really wasn't happy with the, uh, the assignment that he got. Yeah. Anyway, so we go back to the to the Enterprise bridge, and we get our favorite character, General Alert. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. As um, I 
I also like that they talk about a control circuit burnout. Okay. What is that? <laughs> it's something that makes the phasers a fire. And without it, you can't <laughs> fire phasers. And you only have so is- one of them. And it's underneath Spock's, uh, Spock's station for some reason. Right. So Kirk starts pushing all the navigation buttons. Like he goes right over um, Stiles' shoulder and just starts pushing buttons. <laughs> like, again, this guy's supposed to know his job. So stop doing that for him. <laughs> and then Spock is like, I'll fix it. And he jumps underneath his his workstation where there is actually sparklers and fire. fire. <laughs> Um, this is, this is just a great thing. Um, I think there's a, a, something different about actors in the sixties on these cheap shows and actors now who have like, you know, HR protections and stuff because, <laughs> uh, Leonard Nimoy just reached in and just started t- tapping down all the fires and just patting them out. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> he's just putting out fire with his hands. That's awesome. And, and then the sparklers go off and he just kind of <laughs> winces a little bit, but then shoves his hands back in there. I mean, I know there's a guy on the other side of that wall who's got a, a piece of plywood in front of him that is doing all this stuff. But still, I mean, the fact that he just reaches his hand in there, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so while he's doing that, the Romulans decloak. Dun, dun, dun. I love Sulu's thing. Hey, do you think they're going to surrender? Uh, no. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> so, so Kirk is like, well, there's only one thing we can do. <laughs> let's let's warp in reverse. This is the second time they've done this on this show. <laughs> and it's okay. There's no canon set up to prevent this from being a thing at this point. True. So it's in the context of this episode, it's not really that bad. As a nerd who has watched tons of Star Trek. <laughs> It makes me laugh so much that he's just like, go backwards and go real fast. <laughs> as fast as we can backwards. Right. Well, we could turn around. Uh, no, no, turning this shit yeah, around. Exactly. We're going to use up all the Corbomite. Uh, <laughs> so, but the, the other part that's problematic is that they're going warp speed and the plasma bubble that the Romulans just shot at them is still catching up to them while they're going in warp speed. Okay. So, in one of the video games that I used to play, Ooh. had one of the star. I think it was Starfleet Command. It was one okay. of those. But the the plasma, I believe they called it a plasma torpedo. The plasma torpedo, actually, they had a, a locking system where it would actually lock onto the metal signature of your ship. And was, okay. even before it hit you, it was tied to you through some sort of energy or molecular Hmm. level. So no matter how fast you went, it was still going to catch up with you because it was locked in. You were pulling it with you and it was adding its sort of like, uh, uh, sort of like the, uh, the warp, uh, photon torpedoes that I think it was Tom Paris experimented with. Yes. Yeah. They would just follow you even, even going to warp. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't know if that really works for a plasma ball of gas, but yeah, that's, that's the, uh, it seems a little, it seems like there should be some sort of mechanism we would see tied to it. But so just for the record, I do understand some basic chemistry. Um, when I just said plasma ball of gas and sounded like an absolute moron, I I do understand that it is a, a, it is that plasma and gas are two different things. (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, so, you know, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, then, you know, they, they, 
uh, Sulu's like, well, why don't we just fire phasers at it and blow it up? And Spock's like, no, 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 we can't do that. And no, 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 that's that's not okay. Which I'm thinking at this point, well, then let's throw a shut a space or a shuttle at it then, right? Let's just do something. There's got to be something we can do. But I'm taking it that the shuttles are up, all up on the blocks at that particular time because it's got to, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm gonna put speed holes in all the shuttles. It'll be great. <laughs> so. The other thing that really bugs me about this is that Kirk all of a sudden, or not bugs me, excuse me. The thing that I like about this is that Kirk gets so down about their chances that he's like, hey, Rand, um, go ahead and just let, let's do a log and you're going to jettison it in the log buoy. Basically, we're going to drop a black box because we're about to die. Okay, but here's the thing. You're warping as fast as you can in reverse from something that's following you when you jettison the log buoy. Isn't it just going to fall into the big ball of plasma that's following you? No, it turns out the uh, the log buoy can be launched at warp speed uh, perpendicular to your direction, um, which, you know, would be a helpful thing to have uh. a weapon that could do that. But we all know that the sideways <laughs> weapons don't do anything. <laughs> or at least Kurt but, just doesn't like to use them for some reason. Right. Uh, it's a, Maybe it's a Romulan plasma proof black box. That's uh, They oh, just didn't know why it was Romulan okay. plasma proof. I don't know. That makes sense. I, you know, obviously it doesn't make a lot of sense from physics, but <laughs> I, I really did like that they went that route of like, you know what? It's real dire. And we do have a, a, re, a thing we do when it gets that dire. And that is we let everybody know what happened here. And that's it. And the thing is, I wouldn't want anything that didn't make sense to ruin the scene of a ship warping backwards with an ionized ball of energy following it through light speed. Yeah, well. <laughs> listen. It would just you're, take you're it, gonna, it would just take it take me out of it. If you are if you survive the situation, you go back and you pick up that black box so that nobody examines your physics. That's what works. <laughs> this is this is what I really wonder about. You shoot one of those things off and you don't die. Yeah. How quick are you gonna go get that thing back? Because otherwise you're leaving that around and something like the Cerritos picks it up. And the next time you go to a starbase, it's like, so you were warping backwards with a big ball of gas coming at you, huh, huh Jim? Right. How, how'd that work out for you? No, yeah, I it, imagine every time one of those log buoys goes by and they're making mental it's like, okay, if we get out of this, we know where it's at. We're going to get that thing. I don't know. I kind of like the idea that uh, the, the ships like the Cerritos are picking these things up and they become the Starfleet blooper reels. <laughs> So let me get this straight. You ran into Q. He put up a force field in front of you. You freaked out and decided you were going to die. And then he just made your crew do a, a court thing and just let you go. Yeah, that's true. Why did you jettison the buoy? Um, I got scared. Like, I, just, I want that. I want that blooper reel. These, these are the 23rd uh, century version of the Blair Witch Project. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> So nobody knows about all these bad guys until they see them in the found footage. There's orange plasma following me. I am so scared. I've been running from the Borg for three days. I think they've gotten in front of me. So they have a queen. All right. Anyway, found footage now will be log buoys in the future. I like it. So, They do this, and then the cloud begins to dissipate, so they're going to have to go pick that sucker up. 
<laughs> everybody's just like, Hey, wait, is that getting thinner? <laughs> and so I, what I love though, is that Kirk, he, he goes up to the wall and he's, he's looking at, out at the screen to see this thing dissipating. And then Janice, for some reason, Velcro's to his back. <laughs> it's like, is she doing the trust ball thing? What, what's going on here? I don't know. It is real cuddly though. Yeah. Cause he turns into an embrace really fast. Right. He's like, Oh, you're a little scared. Let me get you there. <laughs> and he turns and grabs her. He really likes to do this move though. This is a, this has come up in many, many episodes. Kirk, while standing next to a woman, something scary happens. He has to embrace them. Yes. <laughs> I don't really understand. These are, these are grizzled Starfleet veterans as well. There's no reason that they need somebody to embrace them every time something <laughs> makes a loud noise. Yeah. Cause it's one of those things of, well, he, he's passing it off afterwards. Like he was protecting them, but is that really the, <laughs> what right? is that? I mean, I'll protect you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So everybody gets tossed around because again, no seatbelts on the bridge, but it turns out there's no seatbelts in the phaser department either. Cause we, we <laughs> shot or wow, we switched down there and there's Angela Martin on the floor and Thomason goes to pick her up. But this time he doesn't make any sort of smart aleck comments, which shows that he's really worried. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The foreshadowing here is pretty dark Yes, of him being like, I'm going to take care of you now. Mm-mm. <laughs> Anyway, so then the next scene is Sulu looking over his shoulder at Captain Kirk, which is a reusable scene they use all the time. And it always just doesn't quite fit the scene. <laughs> I don't know how much money they actually saved from having the shot. <laughs> anyway. Pencil it in, and then Sulu turns around to look at the captain. Right. And then Spock hops up. He's like, hey, I fixed the phasers. <laughs> now, what is and the wrong thing? It's a phaser circuit, but because it goes underneath of his particular part of the bridge, he's the one who has to fix it. The only thing I can think is that there's a button on Styles' console that goes down into the floor, across, over into Spock's console, and then drops down through a conduit, six decks down into the phaser control room. And there's also a cotton string that goes with that. And there's a little bell hanging on the end of it. And whenever they yank that little cotton string, it's like, fire phasers. I don't know. It, it really sounds like they're using fusible links instead of actual fuses that they're using fusible. By links. the way, that's any of you out there. If you've ever worked on a car and used a fusible link and wired it wrong, <laughs> it looks a lot like the sparklers <laughs> underneath the, the, uh, the consoles. Oh man. I miss that car. Anyway. <laughs> so after he fixes the, the phasers, um, for some reason, the Romulans are leaving. Kirk's like, we're going to follow them. Why would we let them leave? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Cause um, Kirk points out or Spock points out, they might think that we blew up. Well, that's true. They could think that that would be really weird. Um, so the commander, the Romulan commander turns to the center or blah, blah, blah takes care of the centurion and they're like, Hey, um, I know you're busy, but, uh, that reflection's back. And he's like, well, then recloak already. What are you doing? <laughs> it's not a reflection. <laughs> I don't know how many times I have to talk to you guys about this. Right. But I, I do love that. He's a really nice guy. Cause the commander keeps on taking care of this dead old guy <laughs> on the bridge in the middle of a dog fight. <laughs> it's so good. 
And then we go back to the, the Enterprise bridge, and there's Spock on Styles' console for some reason. <laughs> just invading his personal space just, just as a power move. Right, which he always seems to do for some reason. Yeah, he's um, Spock is really into leaning over people's consoles. That's kind of his bit. Right. And then McCoy, for some reason, is there on Jim's shoulder. <laughs> Why is he on bad the bridge? Did you, did you know this is still a bad idea? I told you this is a bad idea. Are you going to start a war? You shouldn't start a war. That's real bad. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Spock's like, hey, you know they're still in our space, right? And Kirk's like, oh, well, screw those guys. Let's shoot them some more. And, and then Styles is the first one who's like, how, how do we shoot him? We can't see him. Dude, right? you were just in the other room the just minutes ago. <laughs> I don't, we don't have to see him. We can shoot him. And now all of a sudden, right? I don't know if I want to do that. Dude, pick a lane already. Good Lord. Sulu turns to Scotty and is like, I told you if I gave him the idea, he would assume it was his own <laughs> and then we'd be fine. That's how you deal with these kind of people. <laughs> Anyway, so the phasers go off again, like depth charges again, and it goes real bad for the Romulans again. <laughs> yeah, it, it's this one of those things of, for being cloaked, they're getting clipped a lot. It's true. And on top of it, every time we see the bridge, more and more concrete and dirt keeps falling from the ceiling in there. The These poor guys. The garden's done. Oh, there's so much dirt in there. <laughs> It's good stuff though. I mean, listen, the, we're making fun of a lot of the little details, but this scene is actually really great. Yes. The way that they follow each other around and do this whole cat and mouse thing. And you never are quite sure if they're going to let this guy go or not. Cause even though we see Kirk wanting, they're going through the whole bloodlust thing. Every time we switch over to the Romulan ship, it's like, well, we could, we could just turn around and leave and we'll be fine. And it, you're never quite sure what's going to happen there. It's real good. I don't know. No, they did, so, they did an excellent job of, of bringing the tension because again, and the whole thing of we haven't, we're enemies who haven't seen each other a hundred years. So we have no idea how the yep. other one's going to react. And then we go back to Kirk and he's like, all right, you know what? Um, let's just, let's just go into the neutral zone. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm good with it. Let's just go. And Kirk is like, you know what? On top of it, let's go real fast and just shoot everywhere. Now I'm kind of wondering, dude, if you had shot them earlier when you had the chance, why did you wait this long and now say, in my opinion, this is Jim wanting to go into the, into the neutral zone. Right. He stacked well, everything to the point of, well, I guess this is the only cho- choice I have when it's like, no dude, you could have clipped them out of this, out of the sky earlier. And you decided there's to also, them. There's also a lot of Kirk, um, or not bravado, a lot of Kirk's selfishness here because when it was just, you know, some guys got killed that live on observation stations, he was, or outposts, he was cool with it. He was like, you know what? We're going to follow the rules. That's the way things go. But then they took a pot shot at him and he was like, (laughs) whoa, you shot at me? Uh Uh-uh. Now we're starting a war. Do you have any idea the sort of affection I have for my ship? Right? (laughs) So Kirk says a whole bunch of bonkers stuff, uh, but it really, it all amounts to somebody let Starfleet know that I'm going to start a war. And then they fire some more and a whole bunch more dirt falls down. (laughs) And the Romulan is like, Hey, listen guys, we're going to, we're going to finish this once and for all. Since we're cloaked, 
let's uh, make them think that they won. So I want you to get all of the crap you can come up with, all the debris, shove it out the door, out the airlock. And they're like, well, what, what do you want us to do with the dead guy? And he's like, well, put him in there dead, too. Dead guy too. Right. And he apologizes to his friend. <laughs> As the thing goes, kaboom. <laughs> like, sorry, man. Really sorry about this. <laughs> right. So the enterprise senses it and they're like, um, yeah, there's a body in there, but that's not a ship. It's just a pile <laughs> of like, junk. That's a bunch of garbage cans. <laughs> and Spock's like, no, 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 this is BS. They're still, they're still there. Totally. So my, my alternative is they weren't trying to tell, think, make them think that they were blown up. They were just because they keep on talking about how much fuel they don't have. Maybe they were trying to lighten their load. Oh, so this was blow all tanks. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's I'm purely guessing. I was like, because it makes absolutely no sense. As you said, you throw a few things in the trash and a dude and you go that 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 should fool them. Well, that's not even the dumbest thing about it, though. The dumbest thing is that they're going to do it again in a few minutes. <laughs> like, OK, so anyway, they weren't carrying around a ship full, full of stuff. So it didn't it definitely didn't look like it. So after this happens, we go to commercial break. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> And then the Enterprise is just floating there outside of the neutral zone, just waiting. They're shutting down all the systems and they're doing this whole run silent thing. Yeah, because, you know, that's a thing in space. Yeah, I didn't (laughs) quite. Spock says, hey, I got to keep on working on that circuit. And Kirk tells him work quietly. What? Oh, man, this is I have seen this in like 30 different (laughs) sub movies, right? The okay, we have to fix something, but it's really loud. So we have to be quiet about it. Everybody and, be quiet. Right. And there's always that one schmuck who sneezes and everybody's like, oh no. Or you drop a wrench. Well, guess what? Today, that's Spock. <laughs> so the thing <laughs> is, in, in the water, <clears throat> sound travels, what, three times as fast as it does in air? Uh-huh. Something like that, yeah. In space, it doesn't work that way. It's the opposite. Yeah. It doesn't. Move at all because there's no in, in space. Air. No one can hear you scream. Like there's an entire movie franchise built off of that phrase. <laughs> so this is all I remember. Even when I was seven years old watching this, I was very confused. Why would this matter? Yeah. Well, Kirk. Uh, during all of this, Kirk is for some reason hanging out in his room. He's he's just done hanging out with all these guys. So there's a, the red lights are on because. There's a red alert, I guess. I don't know. Or maybe it's because he's in a submarine. They're running silent, running deep. So, of course, there has to be a red light because that's how they work. <laughs> Which, again, makes no sense. Even on a submarine, they're made of metal. Why do the lights have to be red? <sighs> anyway, so all of a sudden, Janice Rand walks in. She's like, hey, what's going on? Doesn't knock on the door. Yes. Right? And then Bones walks in. He's like, hey, how's it going? Didn't ring. Didn't didn't knock on the on the door. Like, what is it? Why is there no ring or doorbells in this place? Nobody knocks or does anything. The only thing I can figure yeah. is that Kirk's quarters used to be something like a bathroom or a rec room or something. <laughs> and everyone's just used to going there and like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. This is your room now. Sorry. No. Right. Sir, again, it says men on the door. Um, sorry about that. Uh, I don't know, but uh, so so he starts going into the whole 
oh gosh, this is so rough on me with bones Ugh. and then doing the whole why me, why me, why me? What do you mean, why me? Again, you, well, you, you've you've spent most of your life getting to this point to get this particular goal. Now you go, I wish I weren't doing this. I, you know, I wonder how much of that is actually the delivery, because if you think about the speeches that they do this with, um, this isn't the only one. I mean, obviously, uh, Pike had one as well and Kirk will do many more of these speeches about how being, you know, being the head that wears the crown is very heavy. Right. Um, but unfortunately I think the delivery is the problem because, there really is a lot to be said about this is a tough spot to be in commanding people to potentially go out and and put themselves to death. You know, the, if you think about the people who are writing this, we're 20 years after the last major, actually we're 10 years after the the last major war because uh, Korea is going to be right before this. And then you've got a lot of folks who went through world war two as well. You know, you got a lot of happening right at this time as well. Exactly. You got a lot of people who have, have, experienced the, I'm just a regular person who's been thrust into a command scenario and have to be in charge of people. And I I think there's a lot to be said about that kind of thinking and that, and what the writers were trying to get to that. This is a tough spot to be in. It's not easy to be in command. I would agree. Unfortunately, it just doesn't seem very Jim Kirk. Yeah. It just doesn't fly. It's, it's the only problem. Um, I, I think if anybody else had given that speech, it probably would have worked. <laughs> Bones standing there listening to all this has clearly been having a drink or two because he's like, you know, <laughs> I would never say this to one of my customers, but <laughs> to which, wait, his customers? <laughs> okay. And then he's like, listen, you got to be careful here because you're going to destroy Jim Kirk. Um. <laughs> Okay. And then he's like, I'm out. <laughs> and he just leaves. Yeah, but Kirk is like kind of like just grins and walks out and you look on both right? faces like, okay, I really pulled that one. I out can't of my believe body. that worked. <laughs> <laughs> when he comes by saying customers, my first thought is like, dude, are you really here as a doctor or dropping off the Avon order? You know, I don't say this to my customers, your customers. That's well, he- we know he keeps all the Saurian brandy in, in sick bay. So maybe that's what it is. He's <laughs> dropping off a little tipple, you know, <laughs> I don't know. And then he, he also talks about how, uh, he wishes he was on a sea voyage, you know, without games and dancing <laughs> bones. What if I'm wrong? <laughs> what are you talking Jesus. about? Yeah, you're wrong about a lot. I have no idea where you're coming from, dude. Uh, anyway. So Spock finishes up his repairs and he very quietly puts the grate back in place. And then he puts his hand up on his console to stand up and I oh, pushed a button. Oh no. And it goes <laughs> bing. the machine that goes bing. <laughs> <laughs> so the Romulans are like, oh, we heard that. Let's go, go attack that ping noise. <laughs> and Kirk's like, well, we're blown now. So he turns everything on and just starts firing like crazy. <laughs> Oh man, it's so it's good! It's a light switch, like it's Christmas. It's <laughs> no, so turn good. everything on. Hey, hey, do a right? laundry, also, <laughs> dude. I but then the Romulan man, he does not mess around. He's like, you know what? That garbage thing didn't work before, so I'll bet we can screw with these guys. Hey, here's what I want you to do: get all the garbage we've got left, 
throw in a nuclear bomb too. We, we still have some of those, right? Yeah, yeah. We keep yeah, right? <laughs> we, we keep those around oh. just in case. Okay, yeah, good throw one of those in there. So good. And they throw it out there and the Enterprise is like, yeah, we're not falling for that. Hey, what's that? <laughs> Why is there a, a, a metal cased object in there? And remember, when you see a metal cased object, you should announce it very dramatically. One <laughs> metal cased object. <laughs> so good <laughs> sir there's something with the appro- appropriate approximate dimensions of a shuttle what could it be <laughs> oh man oh what was the other one the the bits of charred metal or something uh, like, oh there's just so many of the the writers <laughs> trying to figure out how to describe things <laughs> anyway so the, the the enterprise just like takes a hard turn because they're like, oh, we don't want to get into that debris field because we don't know what that thing is. (laughs) And then they're like, but we should probably shoot it anyway. (laughs) So they shoot at it. And of course, that turns out to be a a really bad idea. Um, It explodes. They are all blinded because it's a nuclear bomb. And it hits the Enterprise. And everyone is thrown around on the bridge because there's no (laughs) seatbelts. And they all go in one fluid direction. Kind of. Kind of. (laughs) Because as everyone is throwing themselves to the starboard side, Jim is moving to the left. And in the background, you can see Uhura is tiptoeing to the left and throws herself against the port uh, entry of the turbo shaft in the exact opposite direction of everyone else. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, it was definitely one of those moments where they're like, oh, we got to practice this. <laughs> the only good thing is Michelle Nichols is like, I'm being in this shot. I am right? being in this shot. I don't care what happens. I'm in this shot. I do like that it's it's very much, um, there, there's a there's a blooper of uh, the TNG crew getting a practice scene of throwing themselves around the, crew, around the deck. And uh, now I know why. <laughs> I can imagine, actually. Especially with right? It's got a... Like, think about it. Like the stage direction is, you know, we've been hit on the left side. Everybody throw yourselves to the right. And then you got two people that are like, oh, you meant, you meant your right, not my right. Oh, that would be me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Throw myself to the, uh, ah, okay. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so the enterprise is now adrift. This is a really cool scene. I actually, I'm wondering if it looked cool in the original or if it's just the remaster that looks cool. The remaster looks cool in the original. It just looks mm-hmm. tilted. Ah, that's no fun. <laughs> so uh, then Decius is like, now's our chance. Let's destroy it. And the commander's like, nah, I don't know. Weren't you, here's the thing. <laughs> weren't you one of the guys just whining about us being low on fuel? Right. And now you're like, maybe oh, we, yeah, should go we should go shoot that thing. Yeah. So the Enterprise has nothing working except for the forward phaser room, the same one that's been shooting the whole time. So I guess that's fine. And Styles, <laughs> he's he's staring at Spock. Can't get enough of him, right? It's just funny watching people do that. Um, so he's like, uh, they, they, all the phaser techs have been hurt in the explosion. He's like, oh, I have experience. I'm gonna go. Um, wasn't this the guy we did not want in cred of weapons? <laughs> so we're going to send him to go do that. All right. I know how to push red button. Uh. 
So, but the good thing is, is that now Uhura gets to drive. She's like, yeah, yeah, guys, I got this. Just and, and even kind of rub it in. She spends most of her time with only one hand on the on the console. Yep. <laughs> so, so Kirk is like, all right. So we'll continue to act like nothing is back, and we're we're not okay, and we'll hopefully get them to come back. Mm, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <coughs> so the commander's like, you know what? We got to get out of here. And Decius is still fighting with him. Which at this point, I don't know why the commander hasn't shot Decius. Yeah, I know. It kind of seems um, like what are you still doing on the bridge? Didn't I just demote you earlier? Right. Like you're supposed to be cleaning out trash cans. <laughs> Deuces like, you're not going to shoot him, are you? Because you're a chip. Pretty much. I don't know. And so the commander's like, you know what? Fine. Do it. I don't care. Just go. Just go do it. Whatever. And Deuces is like, that's right. Yeah, man. We're going to blow up that ship. It's going to be so cool. The thing about Mark Leonard, though, that is great about this scene, though, is he does a great job of showing the, I have such distaste for this scenario. I do not want to do this. I think it's wrong, but I have my orders and I have to follow my orders. It is critical to my success that I follow my orders. And something, uh, something just, that was mentioned earlier in the episode, Decius, the guy who keeps on goading him is connected. He's like some rich kid mm-hmm. and he has the centurions had uh, powerful friends. So the commander is yeah. feeling kind of the weight of, if I don't do this, we're going to get back home. And this little jerk is going to blab to everybody. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so um, after we we get blah, 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 blah. So we move away from there and we go back to the Enterprise where Spock is like, hmm, has anyone else noticed that uh, we haven't fired our phasers yet? Let's go check in on that. So he checks in and Styles is like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What do you want, Vulcan? And uh, it's just like, whoa. And Spock's like, all right, fine, dude. I'm out. <laughs> I have to say that's some good acting too. We want you to take a word that means really nothing. And we want you to make it sound as racist as possible. Oh, and man. he pulls it off. Vulcan is, he's not the only one though. Every time they say the word Vulcan in these first like 10 episodes, it's like that. Everybody's just spitting venom. It's so bad. <clears throat> and they never really talk about why that is. And I, I do think that Enterprise did a great job yes. of setting filling that. in that blank. Yeah. Right. And, the, and, and making it so that there was a reason to not like Vulcans. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so he's, he specifically says, what's your damage report? And he <laughs> says, we're going to handle things without your help. Vulcan. <laughs> yeah. And that's when, when Spock is like, no, I'm out. <laughs> I can tell you the last time I asked my girlfriend, What's your damage report? I got punched pretty hard. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, the sad trombone happens though. <laughs> as soon as Spock walks out the door, the uh, uh, Styles is sitting there and he's like, "Hey, do you do you hear that?" <laughs> and he looks over and there's a coolant leak. The worst thing you up. can ever have in a starship: oh, yeah. coolant leak. And you never know on a starship; it's either going to be the kind of coolant that kills you instantly. Uh, it could also be the kind that just slowly suffocates you. It could cause you flash burns for some reason. Not sure why coolant <laughs> does that. Um, and it could also be an instant uh, acid for anything organic. So that's the green <laughs> which, coolant. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are in the pink coolant, which is, which will clog your lungs really bad. 
Exactly. Just, it just makes you real sick. <laughs> so on the Romulan bridge, uh, or excuse me, on the uh, Enterprise bridge, they start seeing the Romulan ship becoming visible. And Kirk's like, you know what? Shoot at that thing. And nothing happens. <laughs> Spock's like, uh, or Spock's on his way back. And Kirk is pushing the button going, fire, fire, fire. Then we find out he doesn't know how the phones work. He's actually hitting the intercom button. Yes. <laughs> so good. Spock's walking down the hallway and he's literally hearing the captain going, Styles, where are you? Styles, fire. That's not the way you use the paging system, dude. Right? <laughs> he's like, oh man, this is why we have a comms officer. So... He starts running back. And it is the weirdest run I have ever seen. He he is running as if they had just like polished the floors. Um, I so I actually think that was a total accident because they did have carpet on these hallways. And uh he is the, these old shoes that they were wearing, they were character shoes with smooth leather soles. Uh, so I think he found a section of new carpet yeah. is what I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would totally make sense. Cause it was just like, man, he looks like he's on ice. I'm waiting for the whoop, 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 yes. whoop. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So he gets to phaser control and sure enough, pink coolant everywhere. <laughs> and styles is on the floor. Like he said, fire, I got a fire. He said to fire. And he's trying to hit the button that has <laughs> it's a completely wrong button from what we see Spock do. Well, Spock walks in and he like runs the entire department in like 10 seconds. Like click, 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 clack, click, click, clack, clack, click, clack, <laughs> big red button go. All right, I'm out. And up on, <laughs> up in the, the bridge, they're still firing buttons too. So I'm not really sure who actually shot it. I don't know. <laughs> it's one that but, firing squad things. Okay. There's only one tor- one phaser that actually loaded, but five of you are going to hit the button. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that way nobody has to feel bad about <laughs> killing all those people. So he scoops up the uh, two engineers that are in here, one of them being Styles, and gets them out of the room. And then we actually hit something because Ohura's in. <laughs> <laughs> and again, with Some one hand. Stuff, right? <laughs> so we show the uh, the bridge of the Romulan vessel, and man – those guys, they know how to throw each other at the walls <laughs> yes. at the same time. I'm just saying, okay, there were, these were stunt guys doing this because they're <laughs> flailing about on the bridge when it gets hit. Theirs is synchronized. Right. I don't know. I'm going to guess they got more rehearsal too because it's a much smaller room. And if they made a mistake, they were going to hurt each other. <laughs> um, and we also see that there's more dirt and concrete everywhere. <laughs> Keeps on falling. Uh, Kirk, Kirk uh, hails them. And the Romulan commander, he's like, hey, you win. (laughs) (laughs) This sucks. (laughs) And Kirk's like, hey, why don't you come aboard? And of course, so, you know, rituals. He's like, I can save you guys. I I got this. Then this is a good trope that that continues throughout (laughs) Star Trek. Also, the the defeated commander who's like, you know what? Listen, I know I've been kind of a bastard this whole time, but. I've actually got a lot of honor and I'm going to go down with my ship. I'm going to do so, you guys a favor and not have you have me around anymore. Yeah, exactly. Which I mean, it, it's, it's a noble thing on paper. I don't know if I really agree with it in, in reality, but meh, it's a neat thing to watch on TV. This is probably the biggest departure from enemy below. Cause in enemy below, 
the captain Robert Mitchum actually goes back and saves the captain of the U-boat and his mm-hmm. first officer. And they endanger Makes they sense. both endanger they endanger themselves trying to save the executive officer and that feels a lot more like how that would have been written on a <laughs> on a sub drama, yeah. Um I mean the acting was dumb in this little captain to captain thing. Um they they were both overacting quite a bit. <laughs> but um the what I really liked about it though is that underlying, you know, duty is what this is all about. Like, you know, we've got personal feelings about this stuff. But our duty to our society is really what this is about, and we have to follow through with it. And sometimes that means you make the ultimate sacrifice. And I, I thought it was really well done. It was an excellent capstone to the episode. It was so good. And they do the thing, as you said, the humanizing. We're not so different because he makes the comment about, you know, it's really too bad that this is how we meet because given other circumstances, you and I probably could have been friends. Yep, Absolutely. And I mean, eventually Kirk becomes friends with Sarek. So yeah, that's fine. Uh, so we, we switched down to sick bay where, well, I actually, before that, um, the, uh, uh, ultimately he decides and he's not going to get rescued. And so the ship blows up and we get to see, when, the, we get to see him hit it and then hit the button and then flail backwards before the screen goes back to stars. Yeah, his flail backwards was pretty sad. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little weird. But hey, you know what? Uh, what are you going to do? Uh, there's, there's no frame of reference to go off of. You're, you're making this stuff up as you go along. So uh, then we go back down to sick bay, and Styles is is laying in a bed, and Spock's like, hey, how's it going there, little space ranger? How you feeling? <laughs> and Styles is like, hey, listen, I thought you sucked, man. I hated your guts because you're a Vulcan and you look just like the Romulans, but then you saved my butt. So now I'm a changed man. So now when people ask, I'm going to say, oh yeah, some of my best friends are Vulcans. No, no, right. don't do that. Please don't say that. <laughs> Dude, I, this is one of those things that I, I recognize why they did it. And, and I get the, the feelings behind it. Every time I see this in a movie though, where the, the, we hate each other until you save my life. Ugh. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. You're still a garbage bag. Okay. <laughs> don't you understand that? Anyway. No, man. Don't you see? I'm a good person. I like people who save my life. I don't see what's so controversial about that. Right. So then Janice stops by <laughs> and Janice stops by. And she's like, Hey, by the way, uh, Starfleet command just got back and they said, yeah, go for it. Start a war. It's cool. <laughs> Which I'm thinking, <laughs> if I'm Jim and Kirk, they're going to let me into the, go into the neutral zone. Hey, guys, right. we're going to spend two or three hours just tearing ass through the mountains. <laughs> up and uh, down the street. Everybody, up and down the street. <laughs> He's just going to get on the intercom and be like, this is called Operation Blank Check, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we'll do some donuts. This is going to be fun. Right. I don't know. So then we have a morning scene where we go back to the chapel and Angela Martin is not going to get married because Tomlinson didn't make it. He got, he breathed in too much pink coolant, too much pink dust. Yep. Get you every time. <laughs> oh, so he goes in and right. And he comes in and he gives her a, a nice somber speech. Hey, listen, I'm sorry that he died. That sucks. She's like, yeah, that sucks. A little tear comes down her eyes real sad could you just leave me here captain so i could 
prey to the red tree painted on the wall. <laughs> Whatever space Jesus there is, I, I want to pray to it. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was a, it was a sweet speech though. Um, uh, I, I did like that. It was very minimalist though. Right? Yes. They didn't try to get too schmaltzy about it. It was just like captain saying, Hey, listen, that's, I'm, I'm sorry, but that is the way it goes. And, and you people her being like, control should realize that because you kill people constantly. Right. And you guys are usually the ones doing this. <laughs> anyway, good news is d- Angela Martin's going to be back in the next episode. Also true. <laughs> and she's going to go on shortly. Oh, so, uh, all in all, I think this is a great episode. Love this. Uh, episode. This is the first of the fantastic episodes. Um, it's easy to make fun of this stuff because a lot of it's just kind of cheesy and campy and whatever, but a lot of the reason it's cheesy and campy is just because of time. Yes. It's for stuff. what it is. Right. But for what it is, it's amazing. And the, the way that it was written was fantastic and acted was fantastic. There was some weird stuff, but altogether awesome episode. Very well directed, very well edited. They, they, yeah. The timing of the whole thing really, really worked. The uh, juxtaposition between Kirk and the commander. Um, I mean, those things work. They actually, I, I give, I give both the writer and the director a lot of credit for pulling this one off. hundred percent. So good. Well, join us next time as we examine, like we said, surely the next episode, which it's, it's a weird one, kind of a stinker, but <laughs> it'll be fun to talk about. Um, I also want to take a minute to thank our friends over at five year mission for the use of their song beam down as our intro and outro. Um, make sure you check them out on their website, fiveyearmission.net, where you'll find a song for each episode of the original series grouped into albums for each of the seasons. So cool. Uh, yeah, it's real cool. Um, you can get them on their website or hit them up on Apple music or Spotify as well. And please feel free to stop by and drop us a line. We are no seatbelts on the bridge. And we're on Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram, and on Facebook. And you can also find our archives of free episodes all at www.noseatbeltspod.com. Thanks, everybody. Thank you very much. Stargate 832016.